Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. What a freaking year. Uh, so you're going to hear our podcast, a l- this is a little bit out of order in time. We recorded this uh, podcast right before the Tom DePlace episode. And uh, we were going to do it with Jay, but Jay was in Phoenix, Arizona, cornering Devin Powell for his UFC debut. Um, you'll see following this one, uh, we'll put that episode up as well. So a little bit out of order, but, uh, George and I just wanted to sit down and reflect on what this was like, what this year was like. Uh, neither of us had any idea that it was going to take off like this in one year. You crazy? You know, we thought this would be a fun thing to do. You know, we get to go to, to meet some people, but wow. So, uh, you know, I'll cut right to the podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any social media, we're a Great Northeast BJJ podcast. Um, you can always get in touch with us directly at greatnortheastbjj.com. And uh, click on the Contact Us button and get in touch. Can't thank you enough for everyone's response, all the people around the world that are listening to the podcast. Thank you. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Great Northeast BJJ Podcast. This is George. I'm here with the Riddler and the dog, and we're in the barn. We have no Jay. Jay has left the building. He's in Phoenix, Arizona. Getting ready to corner our man, Devin Powell. He's gonna he's gonna send a uh, he's gonna send a note though, right? He is. He's making a video for us right now as we speak, I believe. Uh, so. We haven't totally cleansed ourselves of him. So tell everybody where he actually is. What's he's doing? He's in uh, he's in Phoenix, Arizona, for our friend Devin Powell, uh, black belt, no stos MMA guest, was once a host as well. He is making his UFC debut Sunday night uh, on yeah. BJ Penn card. Dev's been on the podcast a couple of times. He was one of our first podcasts, right? He was like a couple in. He certainly was. <clears throat> Yeah, we went over to uh, to his place and did a uh, a podcast right off the uh, right off the mat with Dev. It's unbelievable to think that even just in that short period of time, here he is. So uh, you know a little more about it. How did he actually get there in the first place? I'm pretty sh- well. I'm pretty sure we had him on a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. And at the time, I think he was four and one as a pro, uh, brown belt. And non title brown belt and jujitsu and non well this is a jujitsu podcast right I don't even I don't even I don't even entertain these other arts (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he so I was just thinking about this the other day so since he fought like literally four fights in three months or something crazy got his black belt won a lightweight title and then um. He was kind of beat up and was resting, and Dana White, looking for a fight, um, was putting on a show in Maine, because I guess Dana White's from Maine. Oh, um, right, right, right. They So he and the whole group. Yeah, they were Sarah coming here for their TV yeah. show, um, 
and Devin was not on that card. Um, it was going to be Jonathan Lemke. Right. Who Devin against, fought. Who Devin had already fought against, I think, maybe another guy who Devin already fought, Jesse Erickson, but I may not be right about that. that. But um, the guy Lemke was fighting got hurt, and so Devin, obviously, still injured, stepped up. Yeah, all these guys are really good dudes, too. Oh, yeah, great. Lucky to great people. Most of these guys. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Devin put on a great sh- I mean, you guys can watch that on YouTube or Fight Pass. Um Dana it's Powell White. versus Lemke. It's L E M K E, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dana White looking for a fight. Um, you'll see my ugly mug in there too. But it was a great Devin. Devin. <laughs> Devin. Uh, the guy Lemke caught Devin with a with a, a good shot. Busted his nose like right off. Oh yeah, it was a good fight. I thought. I mean, to be honest, um, I haven't actually watched the whole looking for a fight show yet. But um, I saw the whole card, and man. I thought almost every fight on that card was amazing. It was an NEF, um, NEF New England fights put the thing on, right. and it was really a great show. I thought uh, right. a lot of good fights, and another guy I believe got um, got a got a you know a fight out of it in the UFC too. Well, I thought it was cool because because uh, Dana White's like right off the top, he and Sarah are making fun of. Devin's shorts. Oh, like, boy. Yeah. Like, it was great. Like, yeah. they totally got into Devin's personality and who he is, but the, I thought it was undeniable. I mean, the dude's nose, like, blew apart in, like, the first... Yeah, it was rough. Know, right off the top. And he just dug down and said, damn it, we're going to win this damn thing. And he did. And uh, So, yeah, yeah he's, he's in Phoenix right now, and they're fighting Sunday night. Um, he His original opponent got hurt. And they changed it to a guy from, I think, the lab um, under Benson Henderson's, in Benson Henderson's yeah. gym or whatever. So the first guy he was going to fight, it was interesting because, um, you know, some of you guys will remember Jeff, is it Shaw, right? Jeff, Jeff Shaw. Shaw, right. Uh, and from, well, now it's called Dirty, Bite, Dirty White Belt Radio. From This is another podcast, and he was a guest, he and uh, Betsy, right, was That's on correct. for a little while. Um was a guest uh, was a guest on our podcast here. He has his own uh, jujitsu sort of jujitsu MMA podcast and uh, Dirty White Belt Radio. Jeff's a monster. I really like that guy. I thought that was super fun. We we kind of stayed in touch since then. Gone to the group of us, and uh, it was great because Jeff knew Devin's first opponent, and there was actually. Maybe you know more about it than I do, but there was talk of there being a cross podcast bet going on with horrible consequences to whomever's uh champion lost so yeah and so i i feel like we won that bet because uh, oh oh uh, i see what you're saying the right i'm just sick of losing to jeff shaw (laughs) i'm sure jeff will be very sick of that jeff (laughs) he's a crazy man he's a great guy man. they had snow down where he was the other day and there's a video of him rolling on in like on his back deck or in his backyard or whatever in like two feet of snow with like just shorts on doing fucking barambolos on you know on someone so you guys out there if you don't know Devin Powell you should find him out he's a great guy worthy of your admiration absolutely we'll go Um, back go back and listen we've had two 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 podcasts with him right yeah he was on with me uh when we interviewed Joyce Silva Brazilian Olympic wrestler in Lee Jane's um, yep. United States 
wrestler, third in the worlds. Um, great guy, gym owner, uh, fighting in the UFC Sunday. You should you should check him out. And he's had a number of instructors, but I mean, his main instructor is I would argue would be Coach, right? Who was uh, Coach Luco? Who was on yeah uh, last the last podcast? Uh, then Jay and Derek, right? I mean, these guys. These are people that that everybody who listens to the podcast knows, and uh, and like I said, there's some other involvement with Boston Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't really know Dev's story that well, but these, you know, he still calls Port City his home. Maybe you should go back and listen to the podcast then. <laughs> Actually, I was I wasn't on the one on one of those. No, you weren't. Yeah, you guys so I don't have me. that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about sponsors. All right. Okay. Go for it. Um, is you know who's who? There's some soap company. <laughs> yeah, there's. I've heard of the soap company. Do you mean Listen, Tortuga Soap Company? Yeah, Tortuga Soap Company. Thank you guys all for every any of you people out there, whoever's listening to this. Thank you for listening, and thank you for buying soap from Tortuga Soap Company. I do really appreciate it. Small batch. Yeah, we do handmade, you know, handmade in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and we will do special orders, whatever. We'll make obviously. I am a I am the part of the Tortuga Soap Company. So um right. soap, bath bombs, lotion. Yeah, um, I mean I I've known pretty much when you guys I was around when you guys started this whole thing and uh humble beginnings. Yeah, and uh you know, I shoot by your Etsy the mm. other day and uh my goodness. I mean I I don't know, is that where you do a lot of a lot of your online stuff is That's the best where, place to go is the is Etsy thing? Etsy. Check us out on Etsy. Yeah, Tortuga Soap Company on Etsy. It's uh-huh. it's crazy. I mean, the number of products, the videos, the people talking back, the reviews. I mean, I, I'm I'm writing you a mash note right now, but it's 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 for real. The the shit is really for real. We make a lot of jokes. In fact, that's <laughs> the first joke that was on the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. You go all the way back to the very first uh-huh. one, and I'm trying to teach these guys like they've never done a podcast. I'm not talking about George, but like a bunch of people are sitting around. There were like eight, seven or eight people sitting around on a mat, and I'm like, all right, so da da. And the first question is like, who milks the goats? <laughs> uh, like. Uh, <laughs> who melts you do the it goats? with your mouth it was great went right off the top um, very first thing so yeah tortugasoap.com if you go there you can find out uh you can get a link to buy soap from us on etsy with you know the main one for grapplers is tea tree tea tree based um, yeah it's awesome my wife has you know taken over this thing and made it a hundred times better than when it was just me doing it. So, right, uh, no, that's the truth, man. I mean, she like these things look really good. They work well. It's good soap. Um, yeah, it's cool. You guys have stuff for like kids and you know things that that are just interesting. Yeah. You know, soap wise, it's all handmade. Uh, and like for me, I like the idea that it's a small batch thing. I like the idea that it's good quality. I mean that, and that I feel like I'm I'm helping people directly. You know, especially with all the things that have happened in the last uh, you know couple of months about how it looks like business is going to change and globalization, all that stuff. This is a really good thing, just on a regular old level. I like the idea. Forget about the fact that it's great and all this kind of stuff you just buying local does make sense and in this case it's not necessarily local but it's local to the things hopefully that you like like this podcast so obviously it uh it keeps george coming in here anyway so if you don't like george don't buy the goddamn soap don't say that (laughs) if you don't like me you should still buy it uh because 
I don't know why, but so we've had another uh, psychology. We've had another sponsor for a while, uh, just sort of on and off for the entire time. Crash Kimonos, uh, actually. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, I uh, I run the network that this podcast is on. The, the network's a little bigger. We haven't been talking about it too much because it's taken a while to set it up in a professional fashion. But the network's called Red Wing Superior Network. And uh, you can go to redwingsuperior.com and you can see there's six podcasts on there right now. Some of the other ones that we've uh, talked about, Derek's, uh, Derek Stevens, uh, and uh, Derek and Scott's podcast called the Sharp Iron Society is on the same network. Uh, we have a bunch of different type in there. The whole point of the network is it is unedited, uncensored, and authentic. So I'm not I'm not telling anybody what to say on the network if. If they want to say it, there you go. And that's the whole point. I'm stepping out of the way. All I'm doing is facilitating these people's podcasts to get out into the world. I believe Can I call bullshit on this? Go ahead, yeah. You're always telling me what to do. Oh, that's true. Well, you're different. I'm part of this podcast. Oh. All right. But, and kind of less and less. Honestly, I love the idea that it's it's basically become like, you know, uh, the George and Jay show, which is fantastic. Um, But the idea, though, is is that I feel like it's really important that that you can get free information out into the world without any bullshit. And one of the solutions to that is to not tie it to advertising, to not tie it to corporate shit. To not, I, I can't imagine that this awesomeness that podcasts like this have with like iTunes and Stitcher and all that shit, I can't imagine it's going to be that way for very long. I, I am a veteran of the music industry and you could watch... Early on where, you know, things would get on the radio and all of a sudden anything with any of the 15 words and all this subject matter and all of a sudden all the shit you wanted to listen to, the people who sang in the way that people talk normally, it just wasn't going out on the radio so they couldn't get out and all that. One of the great things about the internet is you can find people who talk like you do. And I know a lot of people that say, God damn it, that sucks. And I don't see why I shouldn't be able to say that on in a broadcast or in a piece of art. So anyway, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but I, I, that's what the point of the network is, is that it's a unedited, uncensored, authentic. We're making a change now in 2017. We're moving servers. We're going to make the uh, network a little bigger player. And uh, we're introducing the store, which is going to be at redwingsuperior.supply, which is a new, uh, a new way of looking at, you know, your URL, your, uh, your, your internet location. And, uh, one of our sponsors, Crash Kimonos is run by, uh, Abe, a good friend of ours, uh, also trains at the place. Uh, Abe's going to be handling a lot of the, um, the, uh, the sales part of the store. And, uh, we're handling, uh, he's going to be handling a lot of our t-shirts and things like that as they go through. Um, Hopefully, he'll be uh, playing a bigger part as we go forward as well, um, pretty pretty soon. So it's a pretty exciting time for everything around here. Uh, those of you who've taken a pic, uh, have taken a look at the pictures of where we record here, we're recording the barn out here. This place is getting an upgrade pretty soon, so we're pretty excited about how everything's gone. So anyway, that's my uh, sponsor spiel. I haven't talked about it before. Uh, definitely, if you're into it, go to redwingsuperior.com. Take a look at the different uh, podcasts. Uh, my podcast is new. Uh, this is something we've been putzing around with with my friend Briggs for almost a year now. It's called the Muse Podcast, and I'd appreciate it if you take a uh, take a swing over there if you like music, you want to hear something new.
Back to you, George. Also brought to you by Port City BJJ. Yeah, absolutely, man. Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It's where we all kind of do our thing. Anybody's welcome to come train with us anytime. Please come and visit. Uh, a lot of great people. PortCityBJJ.com. Um, black belts, three black belts. You know, lineage from Roberto Maya, Boston BJJ, straight to, you know, Crazy Baja and Rio. Always, anybody's welcome to come anytime. Please come train with us. Yeah, no uh, politics at the place. Just come in, roll. The uh, I, Shout out to one of our friends, too, Corey Wilson. Just opened up a tattoo shop. He's not a sponsor, <laughs> but I'm going to give him a shout out anyway. Oh, five he's my monkeys. Man. Five, five monkeys. monkeys. New Market, New Hampshire. Yeah, this guy's been tattooing for a long time and uh, making tattoo machines, and he's into jujitsu heavily. Um, there's a website, I'm sure. Yeah, he opened up the place with uh, his partners. Uh, regretfully, I don't have his partners' names here, so I apologize to them, but they're all fantastic. Uh, they just had their grand opening yesterday, I think, and I actually played a gig in uh, a town close to here last night, and I drove back by, just by happenstance, I drove by the shop on the way home. It was probably 12.30, you know, in the morning, <clears throat> and uh, late at night, and... Uh, I'm looking in and there's a clothes signed up, but the lights are all on and everybody's walking around and you could see that, you know, that was just an amazing thing. They started at 930 in the morning. They just went all the way through. So, and uh, Corey's a badass and it's, it's awesome. He's been training jujitsu for a while and you can, you can find them on the web at www.teganinc.com. T-E-G-A-N-I-N-K.com. Um, yeah, they're good people, so go get a tattoo. Come to New Hampshire if you're from somewhere else. Yep. Come train with us. Buy some soap. Get a tattoo. <laughs> um, I'm sure I got something else I'll sell you, too. We'll have you on the podcast. What the hell? Um, so I remember uh, about a year and a half ago looking at you going, hey, man, I'm starting a podcast network. You should have a podcast. Do you remember that? I do. That we, was We were in the hot tub. Well... <laughs> That wasn't the first time. <laughs> that wasn't the first time I asked you. But yes, at one point, oh. I'm like, what the fuck? Are we doing this? And and uh, and you just dove right into it. It's because I said, you know what? I'm not saying no to anything anymore. Nice. Except for weird propositions from you in the hot tub. <laughs> Still saying no to those. You're also yeah? you're saying you're saying no to some other things too. I feel like it's gone pretty well. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was fucking unbelievable. I remember going like Listen, we just do this, and you guys will just guide it, and you'll figure it out, and everything will go, you know, how you think it will. And then all of a sudden, things just started to happen, right? First couple of them were local. Then you got you got some sort of connection going with uh, Howarder, right? I mean, we've had a lot of people on this podcast yeah, in a year. It's been pretty cool. What now? Here's here's the question. I know this is probably going to be deep for you, but what have you learned? While doing this podcast, do you mean this one in particular or the network? Great, no, I, I mean I don't know. You're going to answer it or whatever way you want anyway. But true, um, <laughs> because I think about this a lot. Like, what uh, you know? Am I just doing this to hear myself talk, or am I trying to learn something? Because I know I'm not like, you know, I'm not teaching anybody anything. So hopefully, at least I'm learning something. Well, that's bullshit. But have you learned anything from this? Yeah, for me, since you ask, for me. The idea of learning isn't isn't going to somebody who has this 
you know, little sort of like path that they put you on and you walk down the path and when you get done, you get the learning certificate. For me, learning is like this experiential thing. Like if someone says, hey, you want to do this thing? And I say, yes, I know that I'm going to be a different person like six months later if I stick with it for six months. And that's what I got out of this. I didn't know I was going to be going out to Howarders and doing a, a podcast in this Legends garage. I didn't know that even just going over to, to Devin's first time, that the experience of like getting into the mind of someone who is, you know, trying to break into the MMA scene was going to be like that. I didn't know that rolling down it at Soulcraft would be so cool. Like every one of these experiences, even just hanging out and talking with you guys, um, sticks like to me. That's my version of learning. So it's not a thing that I feel like I've learned, but I feel like I'm going on a journey and the people that hopefully the people that are listening are going on the journey with us. In my case, I'm going to learn it either way. And so by doing it sort of semi-publicly like this, I feel like that's a, uh, that's a powerful thing. What about you? Do you listen to podcasts or before you answer the question, do you listen to podcasts? You're not as much of a podcast listener as I am. I am not. Um, but I do listen. I mean, I just don't have the opportunity, I guess, to listen to them maybe. Like, I don't drive. Yeah, you don't have a big commute. I don't have a commute where I can listen. I'm at work. I'm in an office with, you know, people that probably don't want to listen to the same stuff I'm listening to. Right. Um, I I do listen to some podcasts at home when I'm, but I'm even not even at home that much. But yeah, so I listen to Jocko a little bit. I listen to, I've listened to a little, I listen to a little bit of everything every once in a while. Well, I feel like there's a connection that that someone who's listening to podcasts is going to make. There's going to be people who are going to be who are going to be like Jesus. Well, this Riddler guy just shut up. And there's going to be people that are going to be like, man, every time you know he says something, it just it resonates. And those, of course, are the better looking people. But the well, bottom we're line, we're going to ban them from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, and, and so I feel like, and you can pick and choose with your podcast. You can kind of jump over the shit you don't like and all that. But then when you bring in a guest, you bring in someone to to break up the conversation. Look what happened with uh, with Coach. I mean, I could listen, uh, Jim DeLuca, I could have listened to that last podcast. I've listened to that whole podcast twice. And I don't usually really, I mean, I was there. I don't usually listen to these that tightly. And uh, man, that just keeps, that's a, a gift that just keeps on giving. I you listened know? to it the other night. That was, uh, it was good. It was great. But uh, before I throw it back around to you, are you crazy? We've had some unbelievable people in this barn. Yeah, I built this barn with my son and with another person from the uh, from the uh, from the jujitsu club. We and, built this city. Yeah, and uh, for rock and roll and and fucking Johnny Grippo. Yeah, that was like, cool too. Fucking world champion people, Howder. Yeah, in the in the house. I mean, people just come in and we just kind of. Jared, fucking um, Jared, Philly Pete. Uh, Philly Pete gets a whole portion of this podcast by himself, so let's let's hold up on him. That guy's yeah. Talk about learning something. Tim but, Cartmel, crazy, right? What mm-hmm. do you learned? What do you? What, I mean, like, because you're the one who kind of took the ride. I knew what this was going to be like to a certain extent. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I but it's certainly has changed me. You know, I mean, I think back to like. Chris Howder, I mean, he, 
each one has had an impact on me for for sure and maybe not even jujitsu wise probably but life wise like I'm telling you that after the second one with Howder, we dropped him off and I went to the art museum and I looked at art and I've been thinking about art ever since. Um, Jared, the, you know, it was not, it was sharp iron that Jared was here, but you know, I consider that kind of one and the same. Um, you and, were a guest on the sharp iron. Society. Yeah. I was, I was like the ho- guest host. Yeah. I was yeah. a guest host and we yeah. interviewed, um, Jared from BJJ United and uh man that was really to me that was that was a good one too. I learned a lot from that. Um mostly stuff about life, I guess. Um boy, yeah, I just as you Mickey Ward, holy shit, man. <laughs> What's happening is while while we're talking, Ward. I'm running through these. Let's um, go back, let's go backwards here. Let's start back at the beginning there, but yeah. I just yeah, we don't have to go over every one, but Mickey was. You want to talk about learning something? I mean, yeah. I, I'm I'm a musician. I'm lucky to have been in the presence of some pretty great people, pretty amazing people who have done amazing things in their lives. In my life, outside of jujitsu, fucking Mickey Ward and Dickie Eklund were just like the talk about like the presence of greatness. There's uh, there's a meme right now, and I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize to whoever is in it, and no disrespect intended. But it's a boxer or an MMA guy who won a title, yep. but he's still working, doing oh, construction yeah. it, or very, something. Very recently, right? Recently, of, right, right. And everybody's you know making a big deal out of it. And, and you know, I'm not saying he doesn't. Deserve, but guess what? Mickey Ward's been doing that shit for fucking I years. Know. We finished. If if you guys go back, there's a couple of podcasts. Maybe well at the end of this one, we'll say, hey man, listen to this one, listen to that one. For me, that podcast is it. For me, I mean, obviously, I, I loved all these. I love doing this. Um, and it wasn't just because they kicked the shit out of me ahead of time and I was really tired and I couldn't breathe and all that kind of stuff during the podcast or that we're sitting in a ring in a circle with fucking Mickey Ward and doing this. But, and, uh, you know, and Joe Bellany and, and, uh, and Sean Eklund and it's like, we'll put it out there one day, but by the way, there's video of Jay beating the shit out of me boxing with mm, Mickey Ward. You got a, you got a uh, good he, shot in and that's where it started. <laughs> yeah. You got one. You, yeah, you were like, Hey, here we go. He jabbed me to death. That was fun. Um, but you know that, yeah. What a life experience that was. Yeah. That's There's a no listen doubt. though. I mean, you, you hear, you just hearing it from the, from the horse's mouth and shit. Right. So here's what I think maybe I've learned. Maybe I've learned a few things doing this podcast. And one is Mickey Ward, you know, and that one, and I probably learned it from other ones too. But is if, you got to work. You got to work hard. You got to be willing to put the work in um, relentlessly. That's what I think I got out of out of that. Was you know what? You got to be able to work hard. I think that um, from from Jared and from others, I learned maybe you know and. and Oddly enough, this is not going to sound right coming from me. And Derek, my friend Derek, is going to be like, "Oh, George, it's not always about me, and maybe it's about oh, doing things for other people and service um, and stuff like that." And then, you know, what I've recently got out of, and this is maybe from listening to podcasts, but a lot of people that I look up to, um. I, I and it, this is not about jujitsu. It's about everything, right? Is it? You got to be able to go home and look at yourself in the mirror and take an honest appraisal of yourself and and 
you know, look at your weaknesses or whatever it is, and uh, and then correct them. Fuck that. Kill them. I kill say kill them. them. I say go after them, track them down, tackle them. That's what get people on top say. And knife them through the throat. That's not and easy. And then move on. It's not easy, George. But that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I've learned from doing podcasts. Like, and I didn't, you know, man, um, who, you know, not a lot of people. And I think jujitsu helps you do that. Um, taken because in jujitsu, right. Isn't the, isn't one of the things that is so great is that we roll and it's an honest thing that happens where we, you know, we just rolled for six, seven minutes, whatever. And we both know what just happened in that roll at the end. And yeah, it's honest there's, there's and there's an no, no yeah. phoniness. Um, and, and so it's hard to cheat. Well, it's just, it's hard to, uh, it's not like playing golf. You know, it's like, it's hard to, hard to cheat it. You know, you do know if you're getting your ass handed to you or not. <laughs> Speaking of golf, remember when we were at Pan Am's and, uh, yeah. And what's up? So our friend Tyler was like teeing up. I'm not a golfer. I have no golf etiquette. I like to enjoy life. I don't take golf seriously. I feel like we were playing. It was like fucking mini golf too. Can, can I hold it? I was all set it up. So, uh, George, Jay, and a number of the guys from uh, our club were competing at Pan Ams, which is in Irvine, last year. And myself and a guy who was on the uh, Sharp Iron Society uh, uh, podcast, Al Arcidi, uh, came along and were sort of like chaperoning the whole thing. And uh, we were at sort of the sort of resort hotel kind of place so that the, the place is all rented out and shit. And so we were just going out on their little par three. And George... I don't, man, I don't know. So Tyler, who's obviously not a golfer as well, um, who's my boy, we it's call so him funny. the. I mean, he's a he's a you know he's the cerebral assassin, the, yes, the hipster, the he. So whatever, he's teeing up to hit this thing, and what did I do? I went Noonan, right? Did I get him the Noonan or something? Right. Noonan, right? And uh, before this though, the Riddler looks yeah. at me all. There's only serious. like two rules. No, dude, you gave right. me like ten or something. Yeah, but I'm like, there's two that really yeah, matter. You, George, you really got to follow these rules. You can't tell me I really got to follow these rules and then expect me to follow them. That was so my mistake. One of I them agree. was whatever. Don't say shit to the person hitting the freaking thing. Just- you don't talk when the guy's hitting. <laughs> so it's like basic I, golf. Shit. My golf shit. My golf knowledge comes from Caddyshack and Tin Cup. That's where my that's 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 where my whole golf game is based on. So I gave him the Noonan. It was and, great. Uh, so he goes oh, to swing. Riddler was upset. And oh. as he's swinging, you're like Noonan. The dude like misses and Worm hits the burner. ball like. On a like a sixty degree angle to the right, <laughs> it goes off a tree. Right, he loved it. He thought it was well, funny too. At, the funny thing is that he was really trying, and that's not <laughs> like Tyler's like pretty cool. And you, it was just like a moment where everything was right. The swing was good. That thing was gonna fly. <laughs> that just kind of pissed me off a little bit. <laughs> I know it did. Um, so so that's great, on video, which is great. <laughs> there is a great video. We'll put that up too. We'll put that we up. Do that. Um, oh, speaking of which, that's one of the things we're gonna we're we're gonna do uh, coming forward. So we're gonna end up with a uh, with a new section on the website where we're gonna have some videos for this kind of thing. Each of the podcasts, we'll be able to look there. They're gonna be YouTube videos too. So it'll be a YouTube channel for uh, hopefully for the Great Northeast and uh, 
Some give some pretty good ideas here. So uh, you know, as you scrolled through that thing over there, I was looking in Jimmy Quinlan episode. Like, man, I learned a lot from that episode. Jimmy um, was uh, in the UFC and you know, Ultimate Fighter guy, right? Wrestler and adapting, you know, adapting wrestling to jujitsu training. I think, and and so he really changed um, how I do some drills. I guess like in class, like. I can specifically look at what. So go and if you haven't listened to that one, go listen to that. Um, well, he's got an interesting take on being an LEO as well, too. You know, that's something we 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 have a tendency to draw. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, law enforcement inside jujitsu anyway. I was uh, I wish there was even more, but a number of our guests have been. Uh, you know, cops, which is which is great, and and Jimmy had a really interesting sort of take on on that and jujitsu as well too in that in that episode. Yeah, that was a good one. Another, I mean, we had um, Nate Ryan, and to me, the thing that stuck out from that episode, Nate Ryan, owner of Mass BJJ, um, coach, we call him the librarian, technician, jujitsu technician. He talked about something that you don't hear a lot talked about in jujitsu. I think. Um, which is balance, and uh, and that was good for me to hear too. Like, you need balance, or I need balance. I don't know what you need. I don't know what anybody needs. But well, I mean, I got away from you. I remember, I was having a, a problem with uh, having a lot of work, and I was frustrated. It's frustrating being an older guy in jujitsu anyway, because just naturally. Because of your responsibilities in life, the amount of time you spend doing things, the fact that you're older, the fact that your body's slowing down, you're just not going to be able to have that same kind of, uh, you know, stamina, all the kind of stuff that comes really naturally when you're 25. Um, you're going to watch a lot of the younger guys kind of show up and then go by you, you know, you're going to see people get belts and and just get better and you know, for a long time, you can keep people under control, but at some point, they're just going to start handing your ass to you, and that's hard. You know, especially if you're a, a proud, uh, a proud American. You know, watching some young person kind of get it and get better, and then go by you. But you, George, I remember oh I was having a, a rough time, man, uh, just trying to get it together. Like you're talking about balance, and you go, you need to take control of your jujitsu. And I think it was bigger than just that. It was a metaphor for a lot of things. But, I mean, I run two different businesses. I'm self-employed. I have, like, a lot of response. I got two kids. One's in college. Blah, blah, blah. That goes on and on and on. And there's responsibilities everywhere. And guys like me will be like, fuck. I mean, do you have any idea how much balancing I'm already doing? Right. But you were right. You were like, what I was doing was, I'm like, I got like Tuesday and like Thursday and Saturday and oh, I'm just going to go to jiu-jitsu, right? And that kind of thing, I wasn't controlling like my experience of jiu-jitsu. And uh, I've always been that person that is like, you know, if it's happening and you say go, I'm going to like, yeah, well, I haven't always been, but uh, in a recent part of my life, like you were saying, like someone says, you want to do this? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to try not to say no, you know? What I needed to do was control like, this is going to be a heavy day. This is going to be a light day for jujitsu. This is day, like I love going on Saturdays. There's a lot of uh, lower belts and I can try new shit. And so I just wasn't controlling when I'm going to get my ass handed to me and learn that lesson, when I'm going to take the technique lesson, when I'm going to use the technique. I just wasn't controlling it. And it was all about balance. It really was. 
I was beating myself up about being able to go three or four times a week and not feeling like, why can't I go five or six? It was stupid. I'm just, it's not going to happen, at least at this point. So why not enjoy it, you know? And you were dead right. You just control it, like not just always react, but just look at it and say, what's it going to be? Control it and then react, right? To whatever's left. For the record, I definitely got that from someone else, but I don't know who. But yeah. thank you. Because I, no, that made, I mean, that makes sense to me as well. I mean, I think, I don't know who said it. Somebody said it around me. And, uh, you know, I have to play a part in my jujitsu, right? Like, I can't just, like, go and think, you know, and let everything happen to me. You know, I don't know. Um, no, I, 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 but I like what you're saying. It comes down to a lot of different things. I mean, we're talking about in jujitsu uh, format, but it, it's, an, it's an easy metaphor. You know, for example, if my goal was to make sure that I could always have the upper hand on all the new guys that come in and nobody ever gets better than me, I would train jujitsu in a certain fashion. Like I'd say, I'm going to get like my half guard's going to be just a mother and I'm going to work the Kimura to be a killer and that's it. Like I have this little set of shit that I just know works on anybody close to my you know skill level or below, right? But honestly, that's not what I'm like. And it's not going to work on anyone else. It's a bullshit way of learning anyway, right? You know, and so I'm going to keep my mind open. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to try going to own Butterfly Guard for six months, which I've been doing. And it's finally kind of starting to work, you know? And I'm not going to always go to the Kimura. I'm going to start. I'm not going to go always go to the Tower Chuck. I'm going to do these new things. I'm going to try to throw up a triangle, even though I have these bullshit old little legs, you know? I'm going to do it. And... And I'm gonna and I'm gonna accept it when it doesn't work, and I'm gonna enjoy this this process regardless. And I'm not gonna keep track of who's there. I'm not gonna compete with my, you know, with my uh, with my training partners, and except every now and then. And there's a couple of guys who fuck those guys. They're gonna just get it every time they see me, which is good because we're good friends. <laughs> but yes, we gotta work on your ego. Really? I don't maybe, think you do. Maybe. <laughs> Holy mackerel. It's only a couple of guys. You know, I mean, here's another thing, too. I think, you know, I don't know. When In the beginning, I thought I knew a lot of stuff, and I feel like I know less now than... Uh, I feel like I'm less sure of... Uh, I feel like when we started doing this thing, I was really sure about how things were, and uh, yeah, I got this figured out, and I'm sure about all. These. Now I'm just like, man, I'm not so sure about all these things. I'm like, man, there's always. I think it's this way, and then like three months later, I hear something, and I'm like, oh, maybe it's not that way. Maybe it's another way. Oh man, I think I, I've become I more open minded towards towards things, towards everything, towards life, like through through <laughs> jujitsu and podcasts. Well, I mean, the podcasting part of it for me is huge because it makes me think about it. You know, I think if I if I'm not talking about something, it just kind of it just kind of like it it stays stuck in the moment that it happens. You know, how many times have you been to? It happens all to me all the time. You go to class and you just you come out with a while you were a class, you could totally do that shit, but. That's the last time that's going to happen for six months, you know, like until you get to another class where you're doing like we did sit up, you know, sit up out of Delahiva to pass the hand, do the thing. 
And there were like three solutions out of that. I definitely remember one of them, you know, and if you think about it, but talking about it, like if we sit down and talk about stuff, it's easier. So maybe not techniques, but definitely talking about uh, jujitsu and talking about the experience that people have with their jujitsu, I think has been really powerful for me. Tech, you know, even techniques, even uh, the whole thing. Like I have learned that always and never don't even exist. There is no always, I think, and there is no never. I like that. Um, that's pretty profound, I know. Um, I, I don't think I came up with that either. But it's just like, I, I mean, I have to learn through pain and, and, you know, and me, usually I learn through me saying dumb things. Um, and then people point out the stupidity, usually it's Derek, will point out the stupidity of the thing I said. And then I think about it for a week and then I'm like, yeah, maybe he's got a point there, you know. Um, but it always, you, you know, every time I say always, I, you know, I, two years ago I would say always and I would be like, yeah, always, always do this, never do that. Now I'm like, always do this. And then I'm like, but really always isn't always, um, because there's always a time when you really can open up your elbow and push or something whatever it is you know and there's never never you know well i mean even just outside of techniques i mean obviously that you know that that maps over into real life do you think any of that has to do with you teaching you teach a lot of uh, kids classes now um i i have taught uh, maybe less recently but um but you've been doing it for a while now. I've been doing it for a while um kids man talk about always and never right you know what i mean i have a kid Uh, but they're not all the same. They are not all the same, man. Just like human beings. They're almost like little human beings, these kids. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what... Like, I. to be honest with you, if you want to talk about, um, you know, taking an honest look at yourself, teach a kid's class, and then go home and take a look in the mirror. And uh, for me, it's been a, an eye-opening thing, like where... Wow. You know, one, I think teaching kids class is one of the top. I mean, they always stick like blue belts in to teach the kids or whatever. You know, I'm not saying blue belts aren't qualified to teach kids class, but no. I, I, I say this in the sense of it's almost like way harder to teach kids than it is adults in a lot, in some reasons. Um, that maybe I can't put words to at the moment, but there's a lot of dynamics, I think, happening in kids. I mean, you want to see how much patience you have? Go teach the kids class. But I mean, I think those dynamics are the same with adults. They just control them, you know? But see, the thing is, whereas the kids are going to go, I'm bored, I'm going to go to this thing, you know, right in front of you, like, and you got to go grab them and get them back in line or whatever. I think the adults are doing the same thing, and I think a great instructor is going to be as sensitive to that as they would in the kids. It's just the adult isn't going to get out of line and go. They're just going to be indicating in their own way that that was really cool, but I remember none of that. And, you know, a great instructor is going to look at it and go, wow, that didn't stick. You know, Maybe, I got to figure yeah. out a way to do that. It's so, I mean, I, I, but I agree. I think having great instruction at the young level in sports is massive 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 i think maybe this so maybe so my wife is really good uh trevor is really really good kids uh these are people i teach kids class with right and so 
you know, maybe we all have, you know, strengths in different ways, but I look at Trevor and I say, man, he's really good with these kids, you know? And then I look at Amanda and she is really, really good. And I think maybe, maybe I don't put enough thought into the teaching the adults, like philosophically, but I think I do. But with kids, I feel like, holy shit, there's a lot at stake here. You know, there's like a lot more at stake. Like I'm molding this little tiny human being that maybe and everything i say and i talk a lot but everything i say might stick with this kid forever you know like man there's a lot of power there i mean i i I know the answer to the question but you uh, have you had that experience with a teacher you have a teacher with you that's like whether i'm not even talking about a little kid as an adult you know you they say things and you go i remember that yeah i mean uh, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, I you know, I, I don't have a no. You don't need an example. But I can but, tell yeah. you, I can tell you things my dad said to me as a coach when I was a kid that are still stuck in my head. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like practice, practice, practice. You're not going to wake up one day and be a ball player. Right. And at the time, I was like, the f- I was like Allen Iverson. Practice. What the fuck are we talking about? Practice. You know, and that was my my old man's ma- mantra was practice, practice, practice. He liked Larry Bird. He liked Pete Rose. He liked these guys that worked grinders, hard, yeah, grinded grinders. it out. And I, you know, was like, you know, I was a kid, whatever. I, I wasn't into practicing. But, man, those things have stuck with me, you know, for uh, so. But it's it, it's a simple, it's respect for the basics. You and I both had the same uh, judo instructor, knees bent, back straight. Hands up. How many times do you hear that goddamn thing? Knees bent, back straight, hands up. Like, it. there's a reason why. And to this day, I mean, to this day, that works. It, it works on everything. To just this morning, uh, I grabbed one of the, the new guys coming in and, uh, you know, for the technique part of the class. And we were doing some stand-up stuff. And it's funny because, you know, they're doing some basic, like, single, double kind of stuff. And he's, you know, is 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 back looks like a you know like a a crescent roll you know he's kind of leaning over and his head's down and like you're going great so i I could explain all this to him which is really not even my gig i'm just his training partner but i'm just like look up 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 you know and then then he didn't so i just kind of half put a nice light barely put a guillotine on him and let go and he's like oh okay he looks up and it's like I'm just thinking knees bent back straight hands up knees bent back so straight, you do a great up. job I, I will you know I'm always busting your balls on this thing but we'll give you we'll give you a minute of uh, boy. you do do a great job with people that are new coming in and you grab them and you help them and uh, I think that you know is important I think the welcoming thing is yeah, really, you, really you, important you yeah. know and I think you know I mean I think well, I mean, we also have a funny, it depends on, when I go to class, I go to a lot of these sort of off-hours classes, so I'll go to the Monday morning at 6, or your 6.30 in the morning class, or the Saturday at 9.30 class, and a lot of the times those classes are made up of a lot of lower belts, so it's hard to see, you know, like a, a three-stripe white belt saying, hey, here's a new guy, hey, come on in, you know, like, let's, hey, you know, what's your name? You know, they're going to just, they're fine. Everybody's welcoming and sweet, but I mean, it's easy. It's so easy for me to just go, yeah, 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 let's just go do this. Just that one, I don't follow them around just one time, you know? And they just know that there's somebody out there who's like, hey, you know, every single goddamn one of these guys and gals was you. 
That one over there that's holding somebody up over their head and flipping them around like they're on a fucking Popeye cartoon. You. I tried, and I, and I, so I did, I, you know, you mentioned that one day to me at one point, whatever, when we were doing something. And so, and I, and I think that is important too. Um, and I try to say that when there's new people in the class now. Yeah. I make a specific point. I really try to say, listen, yeah, say, yeah. we have all been the new guy here. So don't, you know, take that for whatever it is. We've all been in that position. Ask questions. Everybody in here is probably going to help you. We've everybody in here has been in that spot. Right. Um we some of us might have forgotten that we once didn't know what we were doing, but we all were there. We all were uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. We were all nervous. Well, there's there's these other factors too, you know, and it's hard cuz when you're if someone's leading a class, they're in that position, right? I think it's a special position for somebody who's in the class like there just to be like, "Hey, you know, watch watch him do this." That kind of stuff. Little just a little bit of guidance here. You know, you feel like well, I mean, it's just typical, you know, gang shit. Like, the leader's the leader, but everyone else is kind of suffering together. You know what I mean? And that's a good thing. I think the other thing is that um, it's easy for anybody to forget. I'm just an older dude. It's easy for anybody to forget that people will gas during the warm-up. Like, it's, it's really hard to remember what it's like to gas during the warm-up for a lot of people, especially the higher belts who haven't gassed during a goddamn warm-up in the last 15 years. So, like, it's really, 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 really sucky to gas during the warm-up, and a lot of the new people will do that, even if they're in relatively decent shape. You know, so I, there are a, a bunch of us older dudes who will kind of lean over and be like, just, you know, here, do this, you know, get through it and help them through it. Until they, a couple weeks later, they don't gas during the warm-up anymore. We had... uh and I'm not calling this person out. I'm not saying, you know, I'm just relating a story because this has happened to everybody too. This one person just happened to come. Yeah, everybody gassing. Well, no, well, sometimes when they were oh, I'm, for 14 listen, though, that's I'm a the, problem. I'm right? the king of gassing out. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that That's a thing I learned. So here's, here. you know, you've heard it before and, and Devin Powell has taught me this. Mickey Ward taught me this. Probably everybody I've ever freaking talked to has taught me this, but I'm finally, you know, Fatigue makes cowards of all men. Oh, you know? absolutely. That yeah. one stuck with me, and that's really resonated with me lately in that, you know what, um, conditioning is, is in, and for different ways maybe than I originally thought. Like, I used to be like, no, don't lift weights. That's stupid. Learn technique. You know, do. Now I think maybe, you know what, it's okay to to go and, and work out, you know, for if for one reason, just to prevent injuries, you know, and be be a complete system, yeah. you know, of... Well, um, you, you, brought, you, you pros it in sort of a... It's a little more nuanced than that, but yeah, obviously if, if someone's new at, 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 at a sport and there's a choice between going to class or going and lifting, go to fucking class. But, it, you know, you're looking at a you're a higher belt. I mean, you're in a different situation and you can, again, balance that kind of thing. But I think it's a bad idea for someone new to any sport to come in for one class and go for four, you know, uh, runs and, and, and lifting like that's that's there's another solution. I, I got my ass handed to my ass today. I got de just demoralized today and. The majority of the reason why was since I didn't have the technique to solve the problem, I resorted on 
conditioning and then the conditioning left me and I was just, there's nothing there. And that was a huge mistake. So I wish I had the technique and the conditioning, but I didn't want more conditioning. I wanted more technique. So, Balance. Yeah, it, it's a trick. But, Balance. Yeah, especially. But I think most people. I mean, uh, you you hit me to uh, Salo Hibiero's, uh University of Jiu Jitsu, which I have a bunch of Jiu Jitsu books. I really like that book a lot. Um, you know, he talks about it right right in the beginning, which is, you know, if you can structure the you know, your defense and then your escape and then your ability to, you know, hold the guard together and then your ability to pass the guard and your ability to submit. If you can kind of structure all that, then you you can, if you have those structures in place, then yeah, you can actually, you know, you can you strengthen conditioning, you can you can work on a lot of different things. But the, the if, if the approach is I need to get stronger before I start getting better, I think you're kind of, backwards and i think he reflects yeah, that too right you, know, you got to get the techniques and if the, techniques the techniques mean it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't hurt as much either you're like you're actually putting out less effort which but i is think interesting. that you can't well anybody can do whatever they want yeah i'm not saying anybody people shouldn't do whatever but for me i can tell you this like six days of jujitsu you know training hard at 42 um i need from for just uh balance in my body or whatever um to stretch i need to you know i need a little more than just jujitsu i thought like you could just do jujitsu and be in shape could, yeah and and but for me i have found that i need to uh that i that it creates maybe you know and maybe it's the way i train i don't know but i have imbalances did you did um, you see uh did you see marcelo's uh there's a video of Marcelo Garcia um, talking about this very thing because people will call him out as one of those, you know, I, I, mo- many people will say greatest of all time types, but uh, I certainly absolutely love the way he rolls. I think it's it's a model for, for someone like me, but um, people call him out because he doesn't do the strength and conditioning thing. He's not lifting weights. He's not doing all this shit. Yet he's unbelievable, right? And he he kind of addresses it in this video, which you can see online, uh, which, again, I wish I I could direct you directly to it, but basically Marcelo Garcia on, like, training hard or whatever. I mean, if you can't get the the Marcelo as your source, the Riddler is definitely a good second. No, 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 no. I'm saying you got to go to there and watch. What he's doing is he's basically saying, all right, these are the different ways that I train. And he shows you, like, him passing the guard and training his techniques and then he's showing you like him rolling with his students you know kind of level where they're rolling but he's definitely you know got his technique together and then he goes but when you're competing he goes you need to train hard and he shows it's i think it's dylan dennis i'm not sure yeah, anyway yeah, probably. and he goes fuck nuts on the past like he's like go 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 and he's just going and going and you realize that's what he means like he does his quote strength and conditioning he's not lifting weights but he is absolutely blowing out his aerobics training that way and we talked about it with uh, johnny a little bit you know about the different ways that those guys train and you know johnny grippo's you know legendary right he's staying hours and hours afterwards and he's you know looking for people to train all the time legendary driller yeah, and it's not just drill. not just drilling too. It's just like going and going and going, and that is its own sort of aerobics and conditioning on its level. So, 
you know. some one of these days we'll go down and see Marcelo. Marcelo, if you're listening, you, I know you are. Yeah, no. we'd like to talk to you. I would personally, I have questions. So let me ask you things. that. Let me ask you that question. So I like to call them like white whales, which is like a, a a reference to the whole Moby Dick thing. It's like who is who are some of your white whales? We were unbelievably lucky to get one of the white whales in our sort of in the in the jujitsu pantheon, the pantheon of jujitsu, like right off, which is we got to go talk to Howarder in the garage. That was pretty amazing. Fucking crazy. Cause, uh, so Chris Howarder is, Thank you, Chris. is one of the original dirty dozen people, original, um, 12, uh, American black belts. <clears throat> amazing guy. Unbelievable storyteller. Just, uh, uh, super inspirational. Uh, it, you know, uh, really good for a young guy because he's six months younger than me so you know he's still a kid but he was probably in the grade behind me but um no he he's just a an absolute absolute inspiration on every level and we we got to meet him a couple of times and talk with him he actually came out here to the barn when he was up here but um yeah that that trip out to the garage to combat base was a high point in one of my lives i mean we that that night was so great that, I mean, that was the night we saw that guy Ben from Colorado get a black belt, right? Yeah, I feel like there's there are a couple of ingredients to those things that, like the epic thing. One of them is a group of people that have to go through hardship. I really do believe that. I mean, I'm, I'm being romantic, and I and I I come from the music thing, so from being on the road and all that. But there's that whole thing. Everybody, number one, was tired as hell because we had just flown in, we're beat. Like, we're on the wrong time zone. Then, someone decided it was a good idea for us to drive ourselves <laughs> to, to the combat base thing. Redondo which, Beach from, which, uh, from Irvine. Irvine. Which, in any other state other than fucking California, is like a 40-minute drive. But uh, there's a couple of us who've driven to California before who are like, guys, guys, we need to leave like three hours ahead of time. I remember people just staring at us like... What is wrong with you? Why it's forty minutes? You know. Anyway, so we were like two hours late, right? It wasn't the fact that nobody believed you. It was just the fact that you got twelve people or whatever were herding cats. Everybody had just gotten in off airplanes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Um, saying that. It was hard. I blame Mike Pellegrino. Okay, well, I'm going to play. That's very I'm aggressive. Point the blame very on aggressive. Mike Pellegrino. Very aggressive. But anyway, so now everybody's beat. The time, the food thing didn't work out, right? So everybody's hungry too. Then sitting in the goddamn California traffic, California, you're taking the 107 to the 90, whatever fucking thing. And you just great, good, cool story. Let's just stop right here. You know, then the stoplights from hell, we finally get there. And Chris was so accommodating. Like he was like, they had a class and the whole thing. And we weren't supposed to be go in. You can pick it up, but like you said, someone got their black belt that night. The, I'll tell you what, we were at the final stoplight, and I almost fucking flipped out. I was yeah, you were I driving. was good for but three all quarters these people of that. In the car, the yeah. end, I was ready to flip out. This is and, anyway. Uh, this is part of the epic. Yeah, this is to me. That's part of it. It's like so, climbing a really hard mountain when you get to the top is the best. You guys all, anybody that's listening to this, need to go to Chris's house and Melissa's house and <laughs> just make sure you call them ahead of time. 
go train. <laughs> they will. They take. They love to have people go there. I mean, they. You need to go to the, and train. With this them. is like a and, little house. I mean, in California terms, it's actually a big house, but it's it's like a little house. You know, outside of Redondo Beach. You know, it's a it's a it's a bedroom neighborhood kind of thing. And it's just the same as any little fence between that house and the other house. You could not tell that there was a nice house, beautiful place. Just looks like all the other ones. And there's like this garage in the back. And you open up the door and it's like you went to fucking Shangri-La. There it is. You know, could have been anybody's house and you not. It's a great make you do yourself a favor. Go train with those guys. Hang out with them and buy some of his shit. Buy some uh, of his stuff. He's a killer. He's got great art, patches, shirt. I got one of his shirts on right now. Um, you can you can find his stuff. I think it's chrishowderart.com. Um, he was definitely one of our my white whales. He was definitely one of uh, your white whales off the top. Like the idea that I we could actually go and do this. I goddamn white whales yeah, you're you talking do. about. You do. You just did. You said, uh, well, but, but Marcelo. About, yeah, yeah, but, who but, doesn't about, want to talk about, about, about jiu-jitsu? The thing about it was we went out there, but he, he, he kind of, made it bigger than that i think we started our podcast the way he had expected to you know he's going to be interviewed and basically we've been keeping this this format as much as we can we went out there everybody rolls i had a just out of the blue i don't know what happened man sometimes when you're tired i just had like the roll from heaven man i just was like wasn't thinking everything was great everything just fell into place had like four great partners it was just really good and then we just dropped the mic and and started talking. Guy Ben Ben Westrich, I think his name from from maybe Fort Collins or Colorado Springs in Colorado, got a black belt. Um, it's crazy. someday we're gonna go visit Ben and and we'll, we'll get because I'd like to talk to him. I mean, about what that was like. Yeah. Anytime I'm always you know ha- it's always in it. It's always impressive or something to you know see somebody get a promotion of that sort and that. One resonated with me, and so I would like to get that guy's story someday, and we will. Yeah, we will, Ben. We're coming to see you, Ben. We want your story. Well, that um, was epic. He was definitely one of the white whales. Other white whales, uh, obviously, Marcelo. Uh, who are some of the people? Other people that you really want to be able to interview at some point on the podcast? I think there's. We can call it out. The big white whale, the whitest of all whales, would be Hickson. All right? whales matter, dude. No, I All agree. I love the idea that it's this isn't a celebrity podcast. I think that the podcasts we do with local people are as compelling. I told you I'd like to uh, sit down with Henry Rollins and Chris Howder. Oh, that that's, I would pay, to, pay um, to listen to. I've also, I mean, I don't Henry know Rollins if I want to tell. Flag, I yeah. have all these great ideas. I don't know if I want to say them out loud because people don't, are going to steal. No, 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 no. I was just talking about another good that, one. I was just talking about people that you wanted to. Who to I'm talk interested to, yeah, in, uh, in talking to, especially in the jujitsu world. Marcio, Marcio down in Connecticut. Yeah, I think is, uh, right? man, a, 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 like a yep. hidden a diamond in the rough or whatever you call. Yeah, that, we uh, met um, Kron. I yo, think geez, talking yeah. to Kron would be cool. We met. Uh, Gary Tonnen, uh, before right before he blew out and uh, blew up, and uh, I mean he had already kind of blown up, but he really blew up all of a sudden. Uh, in fact, there's a, a just a classic picture of you guys training Nogi with Gary just fucking pasting you yeah. with a hip oh, yeah. throw, which um, was great because he, uh, he was he was very gentle. Well, the other he thing is that he's not he, he's a super powerful guy, but he's not that. 
tall. He's kind of small as well. And so he makes you look way bigger than you actually are in that throw, too, which is awesome. But uh, no, I would love to get him on. In fact, I would love to hear. I would love to get Gary and Gordon at the same time on and get some, uh, you know, um, get some some interviews we'll put, there. We can put that picture up for you people to see. It's a good one. He Haraya go. He gave me like the Haraya Ghosh with a with a weird. Uh, he had like this weird grip. Well, yeah, and, the o- uh, o- overhook. Yeah. Right. Oh man, he rest. You know, grappling with him was uh, how you know. I consider myself very very grateful lucky um i've gotten to train with some great guys and he was one of them gary is uh you know he he he's a great guy man i think you know and he's out there doing his thing and i think maybe sometimes people um I are you talking about his social media yeah thing? you know i think it rubs some people the wrong he's, way he's doing what Poss- he's doing he's certainly completely aware of what he's doing right he's exactly. sort of half trolling so, and yeah. how, but but man you know in 2017 that shit makes shit happen look what i don't want to talk about politics but obviously the you know identity politics drove the election in this case he's doing the same thing he's become an identity rather than just the guy who wins this or the guy who wins this he's taking it upon himself to to get his personality involved and conor mcgregor did the same thing and even people like uh you know fucking chris cyborg and shit right it's like you know exactly who they are you know and and so I don't I wouldn't I'm I'm not saying you are but I'm not taking a thing away from that guy that's how he makes his no, cash I'm, I'll bet he's making more money than uh, than some of the people in the UFC because he just knows how to handle that that moment and he's fantastic at it too he is really you know? good at it so, I mean man I I got a uh, I have a a, a white welder I want to I want to talk to John Denner I want I want to have a <laughs> podcast with the three of us and John Denner. <sighs> It'd be interesting to have a, a a a guest, another guest host on that too. But we can keep that together. But um, yeah, I would love to interview that guy. Yeah, that would, uh... I think I'm speaking for a lot of you know people who come into jujitsu not from like the you know I, I didn't play a lot of sports when I was a kid. I was on ski team and shit. You know, and I had some uh, some early striking classes when I was little. But you know, there was no like yeah, you know, I didn't come out of that that locker room mentality not that there's anything wrong with that i i, I mean that's a great thing so got guys who wrestled in college who come in and and they have this a different kind of mentality but uh i like to believe that i like to think about what i'm doing i like to use strategy and and put it together and i think it's common when you when you start and i'll speak for a bunch of especially older or guys who come in and say man you're thinking too much you know you got to just do it and just flow which is true i i totally get that and i understand the lesson that goes along with that but there are all of my idols are super heavy thinkers, you know, like no way. And, and so there definitely is a place for thinking and strategizing and, and linking techniques according to how, how one leads to another one. You can learn that by, by, by working on that and by drilling the transitions, or you can just go to every class for six, you know, six classes a week for, you know, 15 years and then you'll know it. There's no question that just going to class is what's important. But I want to talk to Danaher about that. How does he structure, not what the structure is, but how do you go about approaching structuring strategy, you know? And I love that. I love that idea. You know? uh, I mean, who doesn't want to talk to him? Uh, I mean, Jesus. Damien Maya. Would be yeah. to me. I mean, I think that Damian Maya. I'm not. I mean, I don't know who the greatest all the time is. I'm not going to say. I mean, Marcelo is. Well, there's lots of them. You can say Damian Maya. Has, you know. has to me, Damian Maya is is. 
I guess maybe, you know, I don't know. He's my, you know, somebody I would aspire to be like, Brazilian. I want to be Brazilian. You want to be Brazilian? I don't think. No, and he's, his jujitsu has worked everywhere in every format, MMA, and he's the nicest, or he's, I don't know him. I've never actually, I don't think I've ever met him, but he seems like the greatest guy ever too. And to me that, you know, and his, you know, he's just, he's been successful in everything. Absolutely. So that would be, um, that would be something. Um, I like, I just like the idea of, of bringing coaches into the loop as well. Like, uh, I, I'd really like to, maybe not directly about jujitsu, but I'm sure he would do it. I'd really like to talk to uh, Faraz Sahabi. I think he would be a, a fantastic person to talk to. Faraz, you're going to have to come here because I can't go to Canada. Yeah, no, I don't remember which which episode that on. You kind of have to go and find them. But one of the episodes, you you tell a little that story. We don't need to tell it right now. Canada but, has yeah. just, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I'm going to talk to my local congressman, though. I'm sure people who've listened to the podcast remember that one, but I don't remember which one it is. But. I don't know if we talked to him about it or not, but yeah, I, I, I was, we were going to go do the Montreal uh, Open or whatever, and yep. <laughs> Tyler and I, we were going to try to sneak in, but... Don't do that. No, we didn't. We the, didn't. The stakes are too high. Well, you know... Who's the... Um, uh, Pena? Who's the old dude who's uh, still fighting the young guys... He was just uh, on social media everywhere. Mauricio Pena? I'm sorry. I apologize. I have no idea. This is a, it's terrible. It's, a, it's a, the worst time of the day for me to remember shit. The old dude that's fighting young guys. Yeah. I have to look it up now. Everyone who's listening to the podcast. See, if Jay's here, she'd just be like fucking backhanding me right now. Yeah. Whoever it is, I hope they kick your ass for calling him an old dude. That's no, what he, I get he, to say. He's legitimately an old dude. But anyway. Like how old? Like. 60 something what and he's fighting open yeah um, um anyway but meat, uh meat grinder <laughs> joe connery from boston bjj no just no. kidding joe i know you're not 60 something <laughs> anyway uh I'll, I'll i'll look it up while we're while we're talking so we'll get it at some point here but um but no uh definitely i i like i, I like to talk to people like that obviously for me the other the other uh the white whales would be like uh the people that uh, that I've learned from directly and indirectly, uh, Salo uh, Bernardo Faria, I'd love to uh, hmm. I'd love to talk to him. Um, you know those those kind of people. Uh, Jeff Glover, I would I don't <laughs> know if, I don't know what Jeff's like you know interview wise, but sure that would be interesting. Salo, um, I mean I was very lucky to was a white belt. I took a private le- you know and I had money, so I was lucky I had the money I guess too. But I took a private lesson with him as a white belt. That was. Uh, you know, put me on the some kind of path. You know, yeah, absolutely. Made made me some solidified my uh, jujitsu journey. I guess um, I think that's really important. That's we're going back to the epics again, right? Like like all epic stories and all that. But I think that you know there are there's a reason why so many stories have that moment early on in the first act where you meet someone who has been up the mountain. You know, and they're right go, there. It helps you kind of put into stone what your real goals are. You know, you go, I may or may not be able to do this, but I want to find out if I can. You know, and uh, I, for me, it was uh, uh, 
Adams, Neil Adams. I went to a, a for judo oh, way yeah. back in like yeah. when I was three years into judo or whatever. And this is a it's so long ago that we used to watch the VHS tapes, people. But I remember I got a VHS tape of 101 judo ipons, and Neil Adams was the commentator. And Neil Adams is a uh, British uh, judoka who won a bunch of Olympic shit and all. He was a world champion and shit, and. Uh, he was the commentator on the very first one I got, the 101 Judo Opponents, which, if you want to see, is still like, it is like fire. It is the best early, they just basically, it's like watching the UFC knockouts or whatever. It's just all these unbelievable throws, right? And you'd be like, oh, no, he's he's going and switched it. And he switched it. And, oh, and Z-Bone. And he was like one of these guys. And I remember going to a seminar with him. And it was uh, with our, our coach at the time and uh, a couple of other people and just staring at the dude going, man, this is doable. You know, this is something that I would like to be part of my life, not just for fun. And we're talking with him and then he actually threw me with his his throat, with his Hayato, his Hayatosha. And I was like, that's doable. I can do this. Not like I'm going to go to the Olympics, but I really wanted it. was cool. I think know? that uh, I think I had a book by that guy. Maybe yeah, well, like, he had yeah he had a whole like his master thing, class. Stuff, yeah, right? I think I had that book. Yeah, I he had a whole I had it somewhere, books, and it yeah. was like the I quote was like, "Arm locking is a dangerous business." Yes. What made you start in in fifty words or less? Why did you start doing judo? What was what was your plan? What how'd you end you, up there? Uh, I'll answer it however you want. Do you want like the the real answer, like yes. the heavy the heavy answer? Oh Jesus! Yes, I guess in a in a Cliff Notes version. Well, we don't have to. Yeah, I want the heavy. I want the real answer. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I want the real one, please. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have to tell me. Yeah, I, I uh, came from a, a real chaotic family, and I had a kid, and I was super fucking angry all the time, and it was gonna end up going. He was still, there was still a baby, but, or a little kid, like two years old. I would have, he would have gotten it. It was going to him because it went to me for my dad. And I was like, I have to put this somewhere else. So I am a musician. I can't fuck up my hands. I wasn't going to, I don't like punching shit anyway. I've never wanted to kick somebody in the head. I'm just too much of a softy. And uh, judo was perfect. It was like, going to do it. It hurt. Uh, it was it was heavy and big, and it was definitely something that no one in my family on either side, generations back, I have four immigrant grandparents, um, would ever have considered doing. You know, I always felt like the warrior was born into like the you know the wrong the wrong family kind of thing, and yeah, that was it. So going there, I found. How did you hear about it? Like judo? How did you know instead of aikido? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, well, uh, like I said, I had some striking when I was probably like 16 for a little while, 15, 16, that kind of thing, which I sought out on my own. And, you know, my mom and dad were like really hated that idea. They were like, why would you do that? You know, they're both uh, classical musicians and doctorates of psychology, the two of them. So it was kind of a, a heavy road to hoe there for uh, myself and my sister. But um yeah, the idea that you just go punch somebody was like pretty inconceivable. But that was a way out. And I, I actually left home when I was uh, 17. I went on the road and got a fake ID and told everybody I was 21. Um, but coming back out of that, I knew that I it had to be something that was real. I knew that it, it couldn't be uh, 
It couldn't be like, you know, fake punchy kicky shit. It had to be a real thing. And uh, I don't remember. I think it was Olympics was where I saw the judo. I didn't like the meathead wrestler type kind of thing. At that time, I had no idea how that whole thing played out. I didn't understand that there was an intellectual aspect to that. It just looked like a bunch of meatheads. And so, yeah, the judo just had all those things. Plus, I was a, uh, you know, I, I was a, I really liked Japan. I've always liked that, you know. Uh, and so I liked the aesthetic of it. I liked the the philosophy behind it. I liked that it wasn't religious. Um, I liked that it wasn't tied to, you know, necessarily one thing or anything else. It's a little Japanese, but <clears throat> yeah. And then finding out that one of the original martial arts schools in America, original ones, like what is it? 1953 was down this, you know, like a t- two towns over was like, wow. Cause judo and this, I will keep short is, uh, before people always people think like bruce lee was always around but there was no karate no taekwondo no nothing there was boxing and wrestling until the world war world war ii then there was judo which came back from world war ii with the the well to a certain extent from people who are in the tournament camps but mostly from uh from u.s um soldiers in japan or going overseas and getting the judo there and then bringing it back and then a certain number of japanese that came back uh but we were lucky that there were two spots in america there was peace air force base uh which is again it's in portsmouth it's a couple of towns over from where we are and then uh san jose those were like the two spots where there was a little bit of judo and uh that was it so after that that was like 50s it wasn't until like bruce lee came along that anybody's doing you know none of that stuff there was just no no karate you couldn't go to a karate school so yeah and that was it that was what put it over you know i'm gonna ask you how you got there but uh but that's how i got there why don't we we should uh we should go to Portsmouth Judo Club, man, and do yeah, a class should. and try to see if we yeah, can I think talk I need to Sensei to, Potter. Yeah, I need to. I need to to catch up with some people that I put out of my life. You that would know? be awesome. Not, not because of them; it was because of me. When I I was divorced uh, around that time, and there was just a lot of complication, and I just sort of never followed up with those guys. They're wonderful people. How did I get there? Yeah, how did um, you end up there? So, I, I you know, you were there before me. I was. I was. Um, you know, my best friend's cousin was Jeff, um, black belt in judo, really good judo player, you know, um, yep. AMCAN champion probably. And America, was, Canada. Yeah, was going to like, was trying, you know, trying to go to the Olympics on the verge probably, broke his neck or something. And it was doable um, because the Pedros were the people, Jimmy Pedro and, and Jimmy Sr. were the people that were pretty much on the east coast heading up olympic judo there was obviously in colorado and san jose as well but go ahead so that was my best friend's cousin and who turned out to be a friend of mine you know um and he was doing judo and so you know we ended up that's how we ended up in the connie bean center basement in portsmouth new hampshire so you went in that way yeah so i went in uh that way and uh you know i was thinking about I was always a lot better at the ground game anyway. Like I really like I was thinking about throws and I you know it's 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 well suited that I ended up in jujitsu. George I think. it's not you. Listen, and please nobody at Portsmouth Judo take this the wrong way. But the way we learned 
judo at Portsmouth Judo, the old traditional way we did this, was never really, it was designed to create ipons. Ipon in judo is just you throw someone directly onto their back and that's it. It's over. It's supposed to represent your total control of the situation and you threw somebody ostensibly on the concrete or whatever, you could kill them if you wanted. That was the whole basic old school way of looking at, at judo. But the way we learned was was really systemically large. Like there was, um, we learned some of the Goshen Jits. We learned some of the, like, you know, some of the, the lock stuff. We learned, we even learned some of the uh, defenses against, I still have my, I have a short sword, a little wooden sword. I have a little uh, longer sword. We learned that whole thing. And I don't think they trusted me with that yeah. at that point. Uh, well, you were in and out, but. That's true. But, I was but we guy. learned this really wide range of techniques. And in the end, they were probably more effective in setting up the ground game than just the the sort of more clean Japanese everybody practice from standing all the time. They were we I, I won I, I was in maybe fifteen tournaments total. I won uh Mass States Brown and Down and I had a hundred percent zero Ippons in all those things. I never I never threw anybody free pwn. Every single win was. I lost most of those, but uh, well, of course, you always lose unless you win the <laughs> unless you win the entire tournament. Everybody's a loser, right? But uh, yeah, it We're was all, all losers. It was all ground stuff. And to be honest with me, it's all Osakomi. I wasn't even getting subs. I was always just holding dudes down for twenty five seconds, and sure. just you're not getting up. And to be honest, a lot of that stuff does come with the way we learned. We learned a lot of ground. And Jimmy's the same way. Jimmy Pedro's a, stuff. Yeah. Look at uh, Travis Stevens won pretty much every... He, uh, not that he couldn't win standing, but his wins come from taking it to the ground and just owning the shit out of people. So. I'd like to go train. Uh, I think we should go do... Travis uh, is definitely... Uh, Jimmy uh, Pedro. Someone. Yeah, be Jimmy cool would be great. Go, uh, and I'd love to speak with uh, Kayla Harrison as well. Sure. I mean, we were lucky. We came, we were in judo at a funny time. I got to train, not really train train, but I got to uh, uh, be um, uke for Ronda Rousey when hmm. she was 16. She had, she and Jimmy came to a uh, seminar and uh, did a seminar uh, outside of our place. And it wasn't at the Connie Bean, it was at the other place, which is actually right around the corner of where we train now. Uh, what's that? Uh, Greenleaf, right? The Greenleaf thing. And uh, we they put down some mats, and uh, I was Jimmy's uke for the day, and uh, he did two parts. Um, and then in the middle, uh, we went, and uh, he, everybody's just sort of like, just, you know, it's a little break, and everybody's just training, because you just want to play train. And, and he goes, he looked at our, our guy, Cal, uh, our coach, and said, Ronnie needs somebody to throw, and he just points to me because I'm like the traditional easy to throw dude. Like I wasn't going to get hurt as much as a lot of the people that were there who were newer, and uh, it was great. And uh, I, she was just, just absolutely, uh, just I don't know what the word is like slashing, like just amazing and hard and ruthless and would set you up with that kind of thing where if, if you don't move, your leg's going to break kind of stuff, which Jimmy had that kind of style. He'd come with a tayatosh and put his foot way back and then straighten his leg out so your knee gets flattened out. So if you don't go, that knee's going to go. So of course you're going over, that kind of thing. And I remember she did some weird thing where she did one thing and followed up and I didn't follow it very well. And she went through with it and I basically sprained my ankle pretty heavily. You could feel it go pop, 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 pop. I think she knew, and she didn't know it was that bad. We just kept training. And then it was funny because Cal picked up on it. Like, I came off of that particular, you know, we were just only like maybe 15 minutes of training. 
And then uh, I remember he just looking at me, he goes, looks like that's going to hurt tomorrow. <laughs> you heard his voice. I yep. can't do it very well. No. And I go, yeah. And he goes, and he just grabs the tape and he just tapes the hell out of the thing, puts a whole boot on that thing. I come out for the second half to be Jimmy's okay. I remember he like comes, he's talking to the thing and he walks over like, and he pulls me over. He just looks down at my foot. <laughs> he's just like laughing like, uh, and I just like shrug. And I'm like, he's like, okay. And we just did the whole thing. And luckily the way it was taped up, like it just stayed tight the whole time. And then I was off of it for like two weeks after that. It was a mess, but it wasn't Rhonda's fault. She was fucking beautiful. Unbelievable. 16 years old and just, just a destroyer. So you and I, we were real lucky to be at that club at that time. You know? Yeah, I was like troubled youth at that time. And uh, Sensei Potter had a really good habit of somehow knowing. I mean, one, he knew I was crazy, but um, I'd get into trouble like out in the real world and I wouldn't be training or whatever. And maybe like the night before I would have done something foolish and mm-hmm. caused a bunch of shit. And then like all of a sudden he'd show up out of the blue, like in my life, like driving around and he just happened to be, you know, whatever. And he'd be, you know, he'd talk to me and, uh, and then I'd come back for a little bit and like that dude saved I'll say it out Cal Potter saved a lot of people yeah. a lot of young people's lives in the, in his own way it's the truth I mean I may be, it sounds like I'm being dramatic but no. I mean this is a long time ago and, and the role of how martial arts worked into people's lives it wasn't like he got on the internet and just looked up what it's going to be like that's not how it was you know, this is like a, uh, and a lot of people thought the whole thing was weird. What are you going to roll around in your fucking pajamas? You know, it's like, it's, they just didn't get it. And, uh, I remember bringing like my friends in and going, God, you, you're not going to believe this is so fucking great. And just them going like, okay, that was stupid. You know, <laughs> like they just, it was different. You didn't have the internet, that kind of stuff. So it was a different, it was, uh, it was an interesting, uh, it was a lot of interesting people down there in the basement. And uh, I have a lot of good memories of crazy stuff that went on. Yeah. Um, I remember one time when there was a jujitsu dude came in. Because there were a couple of jujitsu dudes who would go to like the States or whatever. And they'd go in and they'd try not to, they just try not to get thrown. And then they try to win on the ground. And one guy did okay. Um, but I remember a guy coming into the class. And traditionally, judo, st- judo classes are uh, a little more... They're not structured. Then a lot of jujitsu classes are super structured, but many jujitsu classes are are kind of, you know, let's do this and let's do that. You know, a little like a little more relaxed. Um, I remember the dude comes in, and we do the whole thing. We're lining up a certain way. We're bowing in. We're going to do the whole thing, and he just kind of, you know, half ass the whole thing. And then we went to start the technique part. Right, and where normally you're just gonna you know pay attention, right? And this is the same in jujitsu. And he just sort of looks at me and he goes, "You want to go over there and roll? I just need to get some rolls in." Not really. In and this I'm place, like, is that gonna fly? No, like come over here and pay attention. And he's like just going, "Oh, you know, whatever." You know, he didn't want to know some throw. He doesn't want to know the throws. He's just looking for rolls, you know. And I just remember that. And then the funny thing was the way and you, people who train both know. I mean, j- judo's not a relaxed art. It's not like it well, because everything has to happen very quickly. If you're not moving in five seconds, they're going to stand you back up, motherfucker. So, you know, you got to make it happen right now. And, uh, you know, whereas jujitsu, nobody's coming to save you. You know, once you drown, 
you're going to stay drowning until, if you're lucky, the buzzer until will go you off. you save yourself. Or, or the buzzer. <laughs> and that's it. And, you know, and, and so, yeah. And so I remember that poor little, you know, jujitsu dude, who's probably a great jujitsu dude, was just getting it mm. killed because people are just going to fucking lay on him. 25 seconds you're not going anywhere and then they let's start over again or the guy got really pissed off and just left the uh so i think maybe and i don't know about the year but it might have been 1995 um i have this memory of we did we went down to a tournament called like the ultimate judo challenge or something <laughs> what are you talking it was about? in Go it ahead. was in newport rhode island and uh, it was like... Is that San Machi? Was that whole thing happening at the time? I hope I have that name right. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. It was fucking hot as balls. And it was outdoors. And there was sumo wrestling. Black I don't know what that is, but... I'll bet you that was what it was. Anyway, keep going. I don't know. I think it was called the Ultimate Judo Challenge, but I don't know. It was something. And it no, was... But the whole, no, but the whole thing. There's like a martial... There's, anyway, keep going. I, I, I think that's what Black Sales... Anyway, go ahead. Um, it was it's like so it was outdoors super hot they had sumo fucking wrestling going on too like i was blown i don't think i'd ever seen you know, i was pretty young i was i don't think i'd ever seen sumo wrestling um but so we went down me and me and this guy rob you know the cockroach we went down to this tournament and uh Man, it was quite. It was just an. It was quite an experience. It was almost all the same schools you competed against up here, like Tohoku or whatever, and right. You yeah. know, all these guys. These have been around for forever. These forever, are old forever. Schools, you know, yeah. um, but like, <laughs> I don't. The 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 real like. You know, I got a medal, whatever. But the real highlight of the thing was like in between matches, I'm like puking. It's so hot, and I'm so out. I think I smoked probably at the time. Like, just like, oh my god, what a shit show. Me, you know, not the tournament at all. But uh, I'm over like puking in between matches, and Sensei Potter was laughing at me, and, uh, and then he told me like, oh man, it was hilarious. Like my last match, he says to me, it's like he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> so he says to me, do not charge whatever happens. Don't charge this guy because I think that was my, you know, my thing. Like I would get flustered or something and I would just like charge you and go for the double because that shit was still legal at that time. Yeah, like you could do rules were you could do quite open. Yeah, they were different. Of. You know, they, they were there were still rules, but like uh, they were, you know, you couldn't you could do doubles and stuff. And so you mean Marote Gari. Yes. So that was our thing, too. I feel like that was what we used to practice a lot. Um and and I man, I forget what happened, but something happened, and I got pissed off in the last match, and I charged the guy, and he fucking chucked me. And I'm pretty sure it was Epone. I can't remember if it was, but it had to have been. And man, what instant a win. instant win! Totally disregarded all instructions. Full point. Oh man, and, you know, was I remember Wazari? Wazari half point. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was quite a uh, puking in between the matches. Hot. Oh. But it felt like it was so awesome. Like I felt like I was a gladiator, except I was wearing pajamas. I was a pajama gladiator. I mean, everybody gets. I mean, hopefully jujitsu guys get the same thing. You're going out there, especially if you can, if they get past the, and this is just any performance, in a tournament settings are interesting because if you can get past that 
initial, oh my God, why is this different? Why can't I remember anything? You know, everybody says, you know, when you're new in tournaments, you, you start and you just don't remember anything. It just turns into a blur. But if you get past that stuff to the point where you know, like let's say you win an entire tournament or something, at some point you, you start looking at the tournaments like, how am I going to get through these guys? How am I going to do this kind of stuff? It's exactly what it is, man. It, it, it's it's you're going to a fighting tournament. You're going to fight, and you're going to come out on top. You're going to beat everybody else. I feel like it was on the ocean too. You could see like the you, ocean. We're and definitely stuff thinking and, about uh, the same thing. Yeah, and it, I never it went. Was, it was, was a, legendary. Everybody oh was man, it yeah. was awesome, man. It was. Uh, I mean, this is my memory, so who knows what parts of it are true or not? Although uh, the part where I got chucked and was thrown up was absolutely true, but um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like on the ocean. And it was a really cool. I'd never been to Newport. There's mansions everywhere, yeah. and uh, what a what a crazy. Uh, and the, in that at that time thing. of the world, Providence was not as nice as it is right now. Providence used to be kind of a, a Shanghai a town, yeah. And also, it just it sucks. Providence is a beautiful place. It's just uh, and hear me out. It's a beautiful place. I like Providence, but um, the problem is you got to drive through some really shitty places to get to Providence. But if you just keep going south of Providence, it's like just beautiful. And then it does turn into Newport, Rhode Island, where you have all these old mansions are all in the water, and it's a it's a it's a really nice area. You know, I was lucky to work and and live down there for a couple of years, and I had a positive time. Someone else I'm hoping to get on the uh, the podcast would be uh, Tim Burrell, who started his own yeah. um, podcast uh, himself down there. And uh, this still, this I owe one of his, I mean, maybe his head instructor, I don't know, Jimmy. Uh, I owe him just a tremendous debt because the worst part of my life ever was happening. And that guy would be like, come on, let's go, get on the mat. And he was like uh, a piece of work himself, really, really good guy. Definitely someone that you would not want to meet in a back alley. That guy was a motherfucker of a jujitsu guy. What was the Riddler like as a little kid? What did you want to do when you were a little kid? Who you know? What did you want to do when you grew up? Do you remember? Yeah, I don't know what I wanted to do. I uh, this kind of, these kind of questions have kind of uh, dark answers, so I'll just keep oh. them short. But. Um, Everybody's got their, uh, you know, their, 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 their stone that they have to carry with them, you know, on their back for the rest of their lives, you know. And uh, for me, uh, because of the way my, uh, my, my family worked, because of my parents, uh, I really didn't get a chance to do, I know how to put it. You know those shitty little kids who play the piano like in front of everybody and are like all perfect little trophy kids? Mm-hmm. That's exactly who I was. I, I was not making a fucking decision for myself until like fucking 19. Even leaving home and going off like and playing in bands and, and going on the road and all that. That was that. So there's your answer there. It, I was a trophy kid. You had no aspirations. Oh, I had aspirations, but it was, it's it's not, yeah. It was like, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's as simple as that. It's just not my decision. Right. But every single thing that I did, I was perfect at. Which is not obviously because of me. It's because you choose the right things and make sure that nobody fucks with them as an adult. You can do that with your kids. Hey, anybody, you thinking about naming your kid Junior and making him a perfect kid? Fuck you. 
Whoa. <laughs> That's a bad idea. I mean, I, I support what you're trying to do because you think, hey, I'll just keep them safe by making them perfect. Like, but that's not how it works, man. You get your kids. It's their world. Get it into your head, man. It's their world. If you're not, you'll learn anything from jujitsu, you got to get out there by yourself. That's it. Your mom and dad can't help you with your hip escape. So it's funny that you say that because so, you know, we're talking about Devin and, uh, I, you know, we, yeah. I, I'm not like I, I'm I'm talking about one person right now, which was me. And I was answering. Your no, question. Not, no, I, I'm not. I'm not passing say, this over to anybody. Else. Right. But so this right. I'm trying. I'm making a nice segue right now. OK, Don't fuck it up. dude. I was afraid. No. Okay. I'm so, yeah, you did. All right. So just so just back off, buddy. <laughs> I'm down. Go ahead. Um, so like I was trying, you know, I've, I'm trying to help, you know, my friend get ready for in any, you know, I don't know what I can add to his thing probably, but I'm trying to help him the uh, last week, you know, get ready for this UFC fight. Right. You're trying um, to help Devin get ready. Yeah. For you know, UFC. I'm trying to give him, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to do, but trying to help him, you know? And so he's got like a, you know, and when, when, man, when you get in the UFC, you know. It's a whole nother world of, of press and things and stuff that, you know, distractions, distractions right? and uh, it's, it's actually, it was kind of, I learned, you know, seeing it, but so there's press guys there and uh, the Portsmouth Press Herald. Um, so Devin will be on the front page of the Portsmouth Press Herald this Sunday. Um, anyway, awesome. but so he's there, and I'm talking. This guy's asking me stuff, you know. And I actually, believe it or not, tried to not make it about me for a few minutes. But um, he's he, you know. And so I told him, and this is what made me think of what you said. I was like, you know, MMA, and I don't, I don't profess to know everything about him or anything about MMA really. But I told him, you know, because he's like talking about the way it was, and I was like, yeah, you see, a one, you know, you got to go out there in the cage or whatever alone. But there is a team, there is a larger team in place, man, that helps you, you know, get to that point to put you in there where you got to go out there by yourself alone, you know? And, and it blew his mind because right. this guy, right. you know, he didn't, and I'm not saying I'm right even either, to be honest, but that's what I, my thought was at the time. And I told him and it was like, wow, I never really thought of that. You know, like it is a very individual sport, I think, but it's really maybe not as, you know, there's also a huge team component, right? Right. Well, you can map some of the stuff we were talking about before over to that, which is if you have like a super controlling coach who's like, go there, put your hand here, do this. No, 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 no. You're doing it all wrong. Like constantly, then many times you're going to, and that's any, any sport, then the, you know, the, the kid or the team or the athlete's going to go out there. And it all goes well until it doesn't go well, and then they don't have any answers, you know, because they're just they're just doing what the coach said. Overbearing coaches. It's funny because coaches, especially in America, um, get elevated as well. They should for being winning coaches, right? I mean, if if they're you know, guys like Dan Gable, right? I mean, he's like a, a, an amazingly amazing winning wrestling coach. The thing is, that coach is dealing with someone who's already dedicated their lives to wrestling, has already been a champion, has already proven their their worth already. Not that he couldn't do this, but that's how you coach people like that. Uh, whoever's, you know, uh, Belichick uh, is, is coaching, he's not 
motivating someone to try to get better. I mean, they're like way past that already. You're dealing with these things. You can't just be Dan Gable to a bunch of eight-year-olds. You can't just go, you need to fucking get out there and fucking put it out there because your job, the kids are not dedicated to that in the first place. So I think following what you're saying, I think you're right. Every so Everyone in the UFC is going out there in by themselves, but they're also going with the team of people that brought them there just like you said but i think it's a mistake to map that over into a 10 year old or to a 12 year or even to an adult who's doing something you know as a hobby or whatever you know like if you said right now hey i want to learn some racquetball i used to play racquetball and i'm like well here's number one you're not fucking touching the thing until you can put this ball over into this corner you're like fuck you i just want to fucking play racquetball right but obviously the Olympic racquetball coach or whatever. That do, I gotta, Olympics, you know? do I got to paint the fence to learn how to play well, racquetball with thing. you? No, but that's the thing. So I think that's exactly what, certainly what I was saying when I when I said, you know, you want to name your kid, you know, junior or make him perfect, fuck you. It, that's not how it works. That's what someone who's dealing with an already professional, dedicated person can do. But motivating somebody to, to want to be excellent, not in order to impress you, but to what I think that's what it's just my personal opinion. I'm lucky to teach for a living, but not jujitsu, but I think that's what great instructors do. I think that a great instructor goes, I know how to do this. I can show you how to do this. If you don't want to do this, that's up to you. And then they still want to do it. That's that's the great instruction. You're putting all the agency into the into the athlete's hands, and I think I don't know Dev personally that well. I know that Dev self coaches. You know, to a certain extent, he certainly doesn't have like a head coach. You know, that's there, like you know, telling him what to eat every day and all that kind of shit. But I think that that's what's cool about it is that when Dev goes into the cage, he owns a lot of that shit. He's not going well. You know, I followed your shit and it's not working. You know, he owns it. He and owns that whole he thing, has man. that agency. And man, I don't know what drives him, but whatever it is, that's the shit, man. Because he's coming away from this. Let's say I, I, I'm certain he's going to win. I mean, this is a, he's, there's nobody more ready. He's ready to go. But let's say, you know, whatever. Let's say this, is, this turns hey, into a, a great career. Can happen. No, but it turns into a great career. Fantastic. Let's say it doesn't. Let's say he ends up getting out of it. Whatever. He's coming away with, he's not going to go away, failed UFC fighter. He has the thing already. He already has the thing. He's got the love. He's got the students. He's got the tools. He's got the techniques. He can beat the shit out of pretty much 95 out of 100 people that are walking down the street, if not 99, if not 100, depends on what day and what time. And he's doing what he loves. I mean, He's got the agency. He's not some guy's kid who just did everything dad said, you know. Marinovich. Yeah, I don't know that story well, but I know that, you know, that that's an example, right? Where you yeah, get these people. Qu- quarterback, you know. The, the, yeah, and then the and the athlete goes through the whole process and wins and wins and wins. And then, they, you know, I think, to be honest, I think that ended up quite sadly for uh, for the guy's kid, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Todd Marinovich. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, the quarterback. I think that, well, there's probably a lot because the father, I think, was – Marv? BJ Penn's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. coach for a while there, yeah. one of his coaches anyway. So are you saying, like, you know, there's a meme out there where, like, uh, it's like boss versus leader. 
Oh, no, I love that. Lean. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Where there's like the boss is behind cracking the whip on these like dudes pulling the chariot or whatever. And the leaders out there in the front pulling it with them. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of that. But and I'm going to piss some people off because I know you're going to do that anyway. I know I piss people off. You know what I hate? I hate. Shut up. Nobody cares. Train more. I know what that means. If you're Dan Gable's. Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna say student. What the, you know, fucking. If you're on his team, if he's your head coach, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like, if you look at me, I'm a musician, right? And you say you weren't fucking prepared for that show. Shut up. Nobody cares. Practice more. I totally get it. I totally get it. If I'm already a professional, you say that, you go do it. But I think it's an excuse. I think it's an excuse for a lot, a lot of young people, a lot of new people need motivation. Beyond shut up, practice more. I think a lot of, I think to be, and I'm not calling out anybody I know, but it's just an obviousness. People forget when they're coaching in like a, in, in like a school that people pay fucking a lot of money to go to these schools. And if the answer is, you don't need to know the answer to that, just shut up and train more. You just, <laughs> you may have broken the, uh, the contract at that point. Uh, we're lucky to be in a school that's not like that. But, I think it's bullshit. I think if that's how you're motivating someone to tell them to just fucking stop being a pussy. Yeah. There's definitely some people that need that. I'm not sick. Don't you have to say that though? Yes. What I mean is I totally get it. I just started this by saying I get it, but that as a blanket statement is bullshit. Your job as a coach. If that's the case, what the fuck do you have a coach for? Just fucking stop. Just go do it yourself. You don't know enough. Get online and learn it. Stop being a pussy and learn it. You know, like, I don't think that that's what everybody means. I may be reading it a little wrong, but it's easily misconstrued. I hate that. Shut up. Train more. It's not shut up. Answer my fucking question if that's my question. Or tell me to shut up and you have enough in, you go, you have enough information. You need to drill it. That makes sense. I mean, you know what I hate? You can translate it a lot of ways. You know what I hate? What? When people call jujitsu jits. I hate that too. I don't know why that bothers me so much. <laughs> Fucking really, like I need to like, I don't. I need to go talk to your parents, your counseling parents about this because when, that, when somebody says jits, I'm like, oh fucking jits, dude. How about just jujitsu? Well, look, let's just call. It just it sounds out. so horrible. Yeah, I, we, and we couldn't do this if Jay were here too. Anyway, no. so because you'd never be able to handle this much reality of 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 what I'm saying here oh, because because no because he's so funny. I'm just not as funny as Jay. But look, outside of our group, I mean, we make fun of people like CrossFit and shit, right? Like you can't can't be cross. Like you didn't have a workout unless you posted it. And right. what did you have for breakfast? And bread is fucking poison and shit. The truth is. Nobody fucking talks about jujitsu more than jujitsu dudes. No. We are way worse than CrossFit We're, people. That's yeah. number one. Number two, there's a large portion of the population that's like, that is the gayest sport I've ever seen. That's it. I mean, they just can't handle the intimacy of fucking choking the shit out of somebody, right? Totally fine. There's a large portion of the part, uh, of the population, even within jujitsu, that's like, the, that pajama thing that you're wearing is dumb. Like, you know, people don't wear those in real life. You should just only train no gi. There's a lot of places that only train no gi. Sure. Look at 10th Planet. I'm not saying they never 
train gi, but I mean, generally speaking, it's I don't a think they do straight no gi place, right? I mean, I don't know, but I'm not saying they think that there's, there's a lot of the different gi, tribes within the within the thing. What I'm for saying sure. is, if the big and tribe. then on top of that, unfortunately, people have chosen to call this BJJ. Yeah. <laughs> now, every one of my friends that doesn't train makes a blowjob joke. Okay, I get it. Now, after all of this that I've just had to swim through. You're going to have me call it jizz? Jits. I know. I know. It, it kills me. For whatever reason. Like, you're just making it harder. Can yeah. we just not call it that? I mean, whatever. I, people, people say it all the time that it trained a long time. I don't know. It doesn't bother them, obviously. No, of course. If but, you're part uh, of it, you don't care. And whatever. You can do whatever well, do you, you think want. Do you it's think cool. when, not you, George, but a lot of people think that calling your workout of the day the wad is dumb, too. But... You sounds, know, it sounds uh, weird, right? Sounds weird. What did you blow your wad? You know, like, <laughs> um, oh boy, I don't, I don't feel comfortable talking having this conversation with See, you alone. I knew that it was going to be weird if Jay was here. We never would have made it through. He yeah. would have torpedoed it. So I'm send that saying, out to you, Jay. That's I agree. He hates it too. Who? Jay. Jay doesn't like jits. Don't call it jits. It's just a, you know, yeah, it just doesn't sound like. It's also so casual. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just going to go do jits. Well, whenever uh. you take a long word and cut it down to a tiny little thing, it can get weird. But the, uh, here, since we're. Listen, though, all you people that like to say that, please, I, I still love you. Yeah. Go keep right on saying There's it. There's a bunch of shit that it's goes cool. along with it. A lot of people hate when people go us, right? You right. know, because it's sort of like, of are, are you Portuguese? No. Okay. It's not even port. I think it's Japanese, right? Well, originally. It's a, originally, right, yeah. It's a Japanese right, thing. Right. But it translates. But a, yeah. speaking of which, since you. you brought up something that drives you nuts and i'm not a black belt so of course i can say anything i want uh because it's like my world right you know how every every lower belt so as soon as you're a black belt you can't say anything you want no then you totally can but Uh, you don't have to apologize like i just did uh, um i think people forget and it doesn't drive me nuts but i think it's worth pointing out there's a huge japanese proponent to jujitsu can I point I w- out that in the name Certainly. of the sport is two Japanese words, Jew and Jitsu. There's the idea that this is like only Brazilian kind of drives me nuts. Obviously, you know, you know, tremendous debt to Elio and, and to Carlos and the whole Gracie thing. No question. And I think there are very few people that say it started with them. Everyone will say, you know, it came over, you know, with uh, with with various uh it depends on how you look at it with the different uh, 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 people who came from the Kodaka and went to Brazil. But the reality is that this kind of thing doesn't – I kind of miss the the Japanese aesthetic that goes along with it, you know? Um, not mutual, that it has, mutual benefit? Yeah. It's, it's, there's a also – you know, I think it's a pick and choose kind of thing. Like I have seen uh, Brazilian uh, – high-level Brazilian professors talk about trying to do things with the least amount of effort, right? Which is a, a real – that's a straight pull from – judo and and jujitsu you know is, maximum you know, efficiency yeah i wish i got this serioku zenyu i apologize if i got that wrong serioku zenyu i think it is which is right yeah maximum efficiency minimum effort right um or that could have been mutual welfare and benefit i don't remember which ones are which no. i don't speak japanese but the point is that i like that idea and maybe i like it more 
when I'm underneath a super powerful person who's just using all their power and I can't do it. So maybe at that point is the perfect time to start whining about this. But the point is that I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, in 10 years, I'm going to be 62. I'm not going to get more powerful. <laughs> 10 years. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be less powerful. So I can't be working on getting my power up. I'm working on my technique, get the hell out of their game. You know, I want my balance game, my grips game and my, my, my movement game. I don't, I, I'm not going to be like, you know, now I need to work on my heaviness. You know, it's, that's just me, but I think there's a place for all of it, but I just kind of miss that. Sometimes you do get, I remember being in judo. If you asked me what I thought about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, I would have absolutely said your average Brazilian Jiu Jitsu places, bulldog tattoos and, you know, just a fucking, people just powering the shit out of each other you know i was wrong but that was the impression i think it's the same impression you get it's it's hard to look if you don't know it's hard to look at the whole for example the whole gracie clan it's easy to just see one or two things pick and choose out of them and then say the whole thing's bullshit which of course is not not true at all but um both of those ideas are wrong but they're they're a little bit earned you know the idea that there are a lot of brazilian jiu-jitsu uh champions they're just look at the people look at them i mean there's a lot of people that are just lifting and running cycles all the time they're obviously using you know mexican supplements and that's how they do it is a tremendous amount of power jujitsu you know what's amazing about Gary but that's, Tonin? That's, One of the oh, that's exactly things. it. And Marcelo and these guys and, and but Gianni. But Tonin, you right? know what? Gary there's, Tonin. There's I, no Mexican supplements anywhere near these yeah, people, but, right? Yeah, and he will, you know what? He, he impresses me the most out of him. And I mean, I, I you know, I'm a fanboy, I guess. But he, he doesn't give a shit about weight. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. You know Anybody, what I mean? He talks yeah. some shit, but he goes out there and fights dudes, yeah. whoever. If you're not. If, if I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you're not into the jujitsu thing, but if you're not, if you're coming over from judo or whatever, if you're tired of this rule that says you can't grab somebody below the belt unless they're already throwing you, Jesus, what a stupid rule for judo. That was the the dead right there. That was the reason why I left. Number one was I'm like, okay, well, that's it. I'm short and fuck you. Like I can't, I just can't, I have to reach up over my head to grab somebody to, oh man. Anyway. Um, Kano was rolling in his grave. Oh, exactly. I mean, what's what are you talking about? You can't attack the legs. Are you crazy? Anyway, if you're coming over and you know what we're talking about, Google Gary Tonin and Husamar Palharas, P A H L R S, and watch that. I mean, you're looking at mind blower. Just a, a my life a anyway. Goliath. Yeah, and some little dude and. There's he really just, is not that big. Gary Tonin is not a big He's not dude. that big. And you he's know? not that big. I'm not even talking about height. I'm just like, you look at Paul Harris. And this guy is a, it, I'm not going to say he's on Mexican supplements because I don't know if he's on Mexican supplements. But my eyes and my brain very much suggest that that would be the case. And I believe that he was, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure he was popped for it out of the USC. So... All of that stuff together. You know what Tonin said? He said, hey, slap and bump. Let's go. And then he he was fucking great. Polaris threw him like 13 feet through the air, and he did a nice break fall, turned around, kept going. 
Jeez. I mean, that is a... I think that's what jujitsu is fucking about. Love that shit. Yeah. And uh, it had nothing to do with, uh, with you know, how many uh, how many fucking deadlifts you did while you were, uh, you were doing D-ball, you know? You know what else I've learned through this podcast, which is funny? I've examined the role of fisher cats and coyotes due to this podcast. And this is a true story. Because... You know, one the Fisher Cats has become like a thing now, and we're, and we're two, just going to let George keep talking. Go coyotes, ahead. you know, I mean, I forget. Oh, how did the coyote thing come up? But koi dogs can coyotes mate with dogs? One of the things I've learned. From These this are podcast things I've learned. Is my love of Dadaism and how sometimes I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Guess what? What are you talking about? Have you been here for any of these episodes? We you actually researched? No, of course, but yeah, you researched been, this? Yeah, I want to get the lady. There's a lady in New Hampshire that's like a coyote expert. I would like to get her on this thing. I work by myself a lot, so sometimes I have trouble telling Chris the difference Shadler. between sarcasm and this is real. reality. Okay. Reality. Okay. You want to get the lady who... Who's an expert on coyotes. Onto the Great Northeast Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Club? Yeah, cause so, we can make, so we can really get to the bottom and the truth about Ken... Coyotes and dogs mate, and do they survive? Because there's some questions about this. Didn't we talk about this? I think we decided this that a dream? since koi dogs exist, that there's no question. Do they exist? Out. Yes. I don't. I'm not so sure. Okay. Not in the wild. Maybe in maybe in your your buddy's house. But sure I don't they, think they survive in the wild. I'm only going to question one part of this arc here, which was the first part where you said, I did some research. I did. I read an article. I read a couple articles, man. It, this was like three months ago, four months ago. Okay. Um, and fisher cats. Fisher cats are a different story. Yes, they're But they're around. not cats, dude. They're fishers. Correct. They don't mate with cats. One of the things I learned from this podcast was an old idea that I've been kicking around does seem to come true over and over again. Most arguments or disagreements are about definitions, not about the actual content of the conversation. Like in this case, we're talking about whether they should be fisher cats or not. Or just fishers. Yeah. No, we're talking about words. You know what I mean? Not about what they are. Have you ever actually seen one in real life? Yes. I have not seen one. I saw one in the zoo. I think they're amazing But I'm not out in like the backyard. Although Mm -hmm. you hear them around where I am here. We hear them all the time. We saw one. Sounds like a baby getting like killed. It's the most terrifying sound. Amanda and I saw one many years ago when we were up by Crawford Notch, New Hampshire. And it ran across the road. Um, They're amazing. Amazing creatures. I would like to have a Fisher cat on the on the podcast if we could. Since we're completely not talking about jujitsu, why re- I came this close this year to getting two different things here at the barn. One of them were a uh, was I really want to have some chickens out here. There's really no reason not to have chickens here, except for that there are coyotes and koi. Oh, uh, everything will eat chickens, dude. Skunks. And as soon uh, as they come out. And get them. That means now I'm completely fucked. Which what you got to do is putting out a buffet for the. What coyotes. you got to do is, and this is where we start separating truth from reality. But this is what I think you have to do. You got to get a llama, because okay, the llama on. will scare away all that shit that's going to eat your chickens. Okay, hold on, llama. That I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> what I don't want to do with the chickens 
is I don't want to build like a pen, which I'm fine. You want with free a pen. range. I don't want to have to pen them in like completely cage them top to bottom to side and everything, which is really there's a place down. This is this is nothing. We've completely lost. Sorry, right, don't too. worry. This All is right, so there's a place down the street called stuff called the Farm at Eastman Corner. Which I love. It's a great place. I have their hat. I wear their hat sometimes on this podcast. Um, and uh, great, great people. They do some cool things. And whatever. It's a charity thing too. And they have a place called Cluckingham Palace, and that's where they have all the chickens. And uh, it's beautiful, but you basically have to go into it, you know, because that's the only way you're going to protect the chickens. That's number one. Number two. Let me finish what I was saying because I'll come around to the llama. Number two was goats. <laughs> There's no reason we can't have goats here. And as every great American should have goats. The problem is, again, I don't know how big the coyotes are here, so I don't know if we're just going to get my goats eaten. That's why we need the coyote lady on the thing. So the big question then on the would podcast. be, I wouldn't have a problem having a llama here, but I don't think you can have just one. I think you need to have a couple of them, and then it gets into a thing. <laughs> yeah. Cause a jits I, thing? No. Because aren't, uh, so because and if I were going to do that, it would probably be alpacas because they're cooler anyway. They're probably the same thing for all I know. But then you need to like then I need to have like a an actual like you know like a not a pen but like a you know I have to uh, fence off a whole area right mm-hmm. like they have to be fenced in. They can't just have free range llamas. They'll run away. Yeah. I don't so know. So I think your idea is run away. And also, I, you can't prove to me that they'll take out the coyotes, dude. They scare the coyotes away. Coyotes are afraid of llamas. Everybody knows that. So they're like the marigolds that you plant around your tomatoes. Yeah, so I don't the, know. Uh, the I don't know come. about that. But I will say this. I mean, because, you know, here's another thing I learned from this podcast. Are you back to jiu-jitsu? I think that we might have this on because I think I asked Howder about it because it was so like, you know, I like Star Wars. Um, Howder's like, you know, Howder's a Star Trek guy. I'm a Star Trek guy. I just made a Star yeah, Trek. And I, video I, I, video. I'm yeah. not against. I'm not like a. You know, I'm not so into Star Wars that I'm like fucking Star Trek sucks or whatever. But I, I grew up with Star Wars, man. I liked Star Wars. So Howder and I were driving, like, through some back roads in New Hampshire, coming back from this Globetrotter camp. You know, and he's telling me he broke down the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars, and it was like profound. Um, and I think they that come I from two different places. I think, yeah. well, yeah, like, but the way he put it was amazing. And uh, I think it's on the if you go back and listen to the podcast we did with the BJJ Globe. Yeah, I think one. I think I made him talk about it in that, um, right? Which was a great podcast. And uh, man, that that was an interest. That was so you know, that's another one of these things, right? That I got out of doing this podcast was I knew. None of those people that were on that podcast, except for Chris Howder, who wasn't even on it at the beginning. Right. He showed Before up, yeah. we did it. I went into that, and thanks to Brad Wolfson, um, I got five well, of those people, you oh, know, oh, oh, out of the thought. blue. Can can you freewheel this? Can you explain to the to the nice people for a couple minutes while I piss? Yeah. All right, go. Oh, boy. So, um, it's that BJJ Globetrotters episode, and, uh, and so it's a... Christian, oh man, Grogart or Grogart. I'm not. I'm so bad with his name. Sorry, Christian. Um, something like that. If you don't know about this book, BJJ Globetrotter, you should go check it out. It's a really cool book, and it's about his experience. Um, you know, selling all his stuff. Is like this guy he knew died, and and he's you know he sold all his stuff and just put it all on the table and and 
travel around the world. And then I think he finished at Worlds. Um, and so this thing, I think, turned into him doing camps um, all over the world. So pe- for people to travel and, you know, there's there's more to it, like where he has like a non-affiliated uh, thing. The funny part about this whole thing is I'm just sitting in here with a dog talking, telling this story right now, and it's kind of weird. But uh, that was the weirdest thing I've ever done. But anyway, so... I didn't put, hear that because I wasn't oh, in the man, room, so who just, knows? It's just me talking to a microphone with your dog, and your dog is like, dude, this is the stupidest story ever. Um, the dog's name is Jack. He's Jack, super cute. Jack He's is in the some of the pictures if you look at the uh, at the, the pictures that go with the episodes. Go ahead. Jack is the man. So anyway, you should, you know... Christian does these globetrotter camps all over the world, um, and they they have some great people that do them. Um, but uh, they do they have done one in New Hampshire a couple times. And yeah, they do so it again this year. Yeah, I think they're doing it in Maine this year. Oh, instead. that's right. That's so right. It's, and it's in higher. May. Um, yeah. In Maine, go on their website, check it out, and go to one of these things because they're pretty cool. But um, so I went up there to pick up Chris Howder um, and. And I just like kind of threw Brad Wolfson, our friend at Soulcraft, who's a big Globetrotter guy. Um, he introduced me to Nelson and Hillary from Inverted Gear. I love the Inverted Gear. Yeah. I like Crash. They're Komodos great people the best, too. But after Crash, I like the Inverted Gear. Eric Bydark, who's really cool Takedown Nation man. guy. I you like should check guy. out Takedown Nation. I never um, Oh, man. A couple other people that I'm not going to be able to. Ollie Gettys. Um, yep. And then another guy. Well, you, you listed them on the uh, uh, on the uh, yeah. website and the. Uh, so I never DJ met Jay any of these people, episode. and I think and and it was just us, and and I don't even think I mean this was just like the first time I'd ever gone anywhere, you know, or the, with this microphone. It was man, it was I was scared. Well, I remember you asked me right because you hadn't done the. There's more obviously, you know, for people who aren't thinking about it. Uh, a lot goes into making the podcast work. I mean, basically, you know, you got mics, you got recording, we end up running headphones to make sure you can hear what's going on, make sure you can hear when people aren't talking to the mics. We take the final product and then I'll end up, I don't edit the, um, uh, any of the podcast itself, but I edit onto the beginning. We had, you know, you hear us talking, we'll, we'll, we'll do an intro. I'll edit some music in and then I'll edit the music into the end. So the podcast itself is unedited, but you have that intro and, uh, all that stuff happens for every podcast and you'd never done anything like this at all. Right. So it was basically, I gave you like some remote recording gear and I remember, you're, you were kind of freaked out about whether or not it was even going to record. Well, that, right? was, that was my and whole nervousness. That's a hard thing to, to, to get used to yeah. until you've been doing it for oh, a while. Man, that was I didn't care about talking to people. I mean, unless you leave me alone in the room with a dog, it's not awkward. But um, I was very nervous, and I still get this way about if I do these things, because I just did three with my grandmother, who's 90. Um, we can talk about that another time. Yes. But, uh, but I get really nervous thing, about yeah. the things recording. I'm like, man, I always feel like the, it's not recording. I just don't know. I have no, I, it's the little, right. I guess that's why I'm not. You get used to what right. indicators are what. And plus, that's why we wear the headphones. Like, I'm doing it right now. You'll see, although... Uh, we're uh, George and I are sitting sort of across from each other in the Matt recording. Matt Kirtley. Yeah, that's was one of the guys, that. right? Um, I still will look over every now and then and make sure that I see the numbers going and all that. You're right. You never really get over it. but So that was a really good one, too. And I, I think we got... Howder came in at the end, and I think we got him to talk about it. Well, that was a breakthrough uh, for you, too. I mean, again, you, if you just... As long as everything goes well, 
<laughs> there's never a problem. But things don't go well by themselves. And, and you didn't have anybody to back you up. You didn't have anybody checking on the stuff. You don't have anybody to throw it over to. You couldn't say, hey, I need to go piss. Can you free will for a while? Like, it was all on you. And, and uh, that's it. So really, check out that episode if you haven't listened to it. It was it was good. A lot of talk about rule sets and Sambo and uh, Star Trek. Right on. All all kinds of good stuff like that. So, you know, I got a lot of good plans for this this stuff coming up. You know, so you guys are probably tired of hearing from me about whatever, but. We're going to have some good, uh, we're going to do some good road trips. The only thing they're tired of hearing from you is fucking soap. It's like soap, soap, soap. Nobody's tired it. of that, We man. get it. It's got some soap. Go ahead, Tortuga soap. I got it. You know, that's do you guys want me to beg you to buy the soap? <laughs> I, the I funny thing is but... you're actually doing really well, so it's, it's yeah, not the even soap, a... man, like Were you I... guys in the uh, BJJ box? I don't want to turn this into another yeah. soap oh, fucking so, conversation. No, this is a good, that's like, a good people point. People are like, oh, Jesus. No, there's, um, there's a lot of interest. You know, I mean, to be honest, we sell most of our soap to just regular people. You know, it started off, I made it as like grappling soap for me, but... Um, most of the soap, when we were so busy, like my wife, you know, that's what she does. She kicks the soap world's ass right now. Like she brings, the, she makes the soap, da, da, da. the whole thing. My wife is killing it. Amanda. Good job, Amanda. You're awesome. She, uh, but any, but so we were so busy with like Christmas and whatever. It was insane. Almost like where you're like, wow, can't keep up with this. So thank you so much for everybody that buys soap. Um, but yeah, we were in. So they have these things, the boxes, you know. And somehow we've people find out about us, and we were in a thing called the BJJ box, which I think is like uh, these guys. I think they're Tenth Planet guys, actually, yeah. but uh, they're out of like Alabama. Um, I've never met them, but they're really cool. They seem cool. Um, Tori. Thank you for having us in your box. Um, maybe we'll come down and have you on the podcast someday. But also, there we've been in another one called the the Oos Box, or however you say it, the Oss Box. Or I'm not good on the pronunciation. O-S-S? Yes, Oos Box. Um, the uh, so we Oss. were in. Uh, we were so I just got a, a text from Jay by the way, and he's like, "No problem, dude. I got to get the ceremonial way in, and then I'll get something over." So, oh, so he's gonna make us a little, uh, a yeah. little uh, Hello, I'll throw that into the beginning. So, yeah. so you guys, when we actually get this, but so this is something I didn't know about the UFC, right? I don't know. Am I supposed? To, I guess the, they have the weigh in in the morning, and then the weigh ins you see are like, I don't think are real. You know it's what I'm not, saying? They're not not real. That's not how it works. But there's like an official way in. How do you know? Right. Uh, I think Rogan's talked about it. Uh, yeah, see, he's, he's talked about it specifically. Uh, uh, there's like a, there's, but it changed too, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it changed. It was different. And the, the, that, that whole thing changed because now they have that whole thing where they're, there's like, it, it's the, the timing is a deal. They were just talking about it just not so long ago on one of the podcasts about one of the problems with the way those morning things work is if you have it in the morning, if you have it like, the day of or the day before and all that kind of stuff. People have to time it so that, cause you, you're going to actually keep losing weight over the day. So that morning one can be a trick because you're not up. You don't want to keep the, the athlete up all night cutting weight, but at the same time, 
so they cut weight and then they go to sleep hoping they're going to lose as much. It's like he doesn't like it. But anyway, whatever. You can listen to Rogan for that. Joe Rogan experience for, for that information. Right. But he, yeah. he actually provides legitimate information. Yeah. Probably. Rather than just us speculating. But no, it, but it's fascinating following along with. Well, so Jay is cornering for you heard at the beginning of the podcast. Jay is cornering for Dev. And that's why he's not here uh, today. Um but it's also good because that means we can finish complete sentences. Do you notice this? What? Did I just say that out loud? It's messed up, dude. Without being interrupted with, uh, actually, to give him credit, really funny jokes. But, um, well, it's hard, you know, this, so you learn about, right? I learned about how, like, having Devin around is great because then you can learn about, like, the behind the scenes of different, right. you know, I've been behind the scenes at World Series of Fighting, um, thanks to Devin, and it was really WEC, cool. right? No. <clears throat> no, no, I mean, um, also, remember he, did, he was, yeah, he just fought WEC, didn't he? No. I'm sorry, guys. Um, sorry. What did we see at uh, Rocking Up Park? Something, but it wasn't WEC. WEC oh, was, was back in the day. Um, but all kinds of NEF and I think Combat Zone. That's um, what it was, right, sorry. You know, which I, I've been behind the scenes of those. I don't know, these people let me behind the scenes somehow, which is weird but uh but then world series of fighting i'm back in the backstage like and uh talking to all these guys i didn't even know who one of them was justin wren um uh, uh, yeah i would love I, to talk you to know what guy. man seriously super nice guy and i didn't know and and his and his fighter who's like man his nickname is like cuddly bear or something mm. and he's this big you know savage dude uh but the nicest guys ever and I literally didn't know. I didn't even know who they were at the Speaking time. Speaking of uh, Rogan, Justin Wren on Rogan is worth is absolutely worth listening to. to cut some op- cut open some time. He talks about working with pygmies and and giving and having malaria. Like maybe three that's times why he was so nice to me. He's a he thought I was a pygmy. Oh, man, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, Justin Wren's like uh, inspirational dude. Yeah, on a so, lot of levels and a, a great fighter too. Now that I know who he is, I wish I would. I wish I would have known who he. You I know. wish you had your podcast shit with well, him. You'd be whatever. like, "Hey man, let's do ten minutes." And um, you're just like, "Hey, let me ask you some questions." You want to know what's funny? And you, you. So we're Devin fought this guy um, Tommy Guns at um, World Series of Fighting, and it do you was remember his last name is Mar- Mar- Marcelino, Marcelino. I think. Right? Yeah, Tommy man, I taught. Night, another night. Yep. You know what? It's funny because all these guys that. You know, Super I mean, nice through, yeah, man, not great. I talked to him after the fight, you know, and uh, like, you know, we were eating. It was late. It, this was at Foxwoods. Uh, real nice guy, man. I, I I really hope, you know, I know he, he just kicked somebody's ass. Recently. Yeah, he just had a great fight, uh, right? Yeah. I think in maybe World Series of Fighting again. Wouldn't and it I be hope, great if he could come into the UFC and then they could have a rematch? That would be awesome because that was a great fight. Um, yeah, and, and there was hey, some, UFC? there was some, uh, there was definitely some, you know, controversy, I guess. I love that. Uh, yeah, it was pretty like, it was pretty intense after that fight Coming from the entertainment um, industry. I love that shit all but, day. But uh, but so you know, I'm wearing my Tortuga Soap Company shirt, and uh, you are. man, I don't know. I'm talking to these people in the press box somehow about you know about the soap, and I'm like telling them how great the soap is, and then later. Um, I was backstage and and it's like the people doing the uh, doing the they were like the TV people or whatever the producers <laughs> yeah right. whatever yeah. so they got the whole Tortuga soap spiel too so it's not just our listeners everybody gets it Dean Thomas he got it man he saw the shirt at uh, at uh, looking for a fight and he's like how can I get I didn't even have to say it to him he just started asking me about the soap and uh, he loves it. 
So there you have it. He loves the soap, my I, friends. I'm letting you pull this together. Go on. I can't. I've, I've, the can't. train has gone off the tracks. It's all, it's all soap now. It's all, all soap, soap all, the time. all the time. I'm uh, telling you, this is... Uh, I knew that when... Way back then in the hot tub. I knew uh, that this would be cool. I thought that... And, and it was something that I wanted to give back to the club, too. Um, I wanted to give... This is before Derek wanted to do uh, Sharp Iron Society and any of that kind of stuff. And uh, I, uh, Jay... Jay was not part of this original deal. It was, uh, so Jay, you, and Derek had done a number of things for me. I a, tried to keep Jay out of this. At a, no, you didn't. At a dark time in my life, and I wanted to give back to the club. I knew that I was going to start the network, and to be you know to be a little more selfish about it, I needed some uh, sort of guinea pig uh, podcast because the, the the muse is a rough one because there's legal issues and all that kind of stuff. Once you start bringing music in and musicians, it gets weird, and uh, I'm lucky that that's we, we, we got to sort of practice with you guys and some of the other ones. Um, wouldn't it be cool? And then uh, uh, right now doing very, very well is uh, uh, Annie Wagoner's podcast, Core Nourishment. So um, I knew this would be good because you're a funny fuck. And I knew that I'm not. And I knew that us talking together would be relatively entertaining and if we have a guest and we talked about jujitsu it would be good enough for me that's my basic shot i also knew that you're just sort of like self-motivated beyond almost anybody i know you just i don't know how it works with you i don't know what it is that you do but i knew that you would figure out a way to make this cool i didn't know jay was going to be involved and I can't tell you how excited it, I got when it became more about you and Jay and I could pull back a little more. And I had no idea this thing would make it to California. That we'd be talking to so many unbelievable people that we got to interview some people that we had no idea we'd ever be able to talk to at all. And you actually, you know, can, we, more than one time with Howard, or he's been on a podcast three times. Mickey Ward, are you fucking crazy? I dude held pads for me. Yeah. Oh my god! In what world does that guy have to put up with my bullshit? Fucking little cat paw, puff puff, kind of punches. I mean, there's a great video of of Eklund showing Amanda how to use the speed bag. It was like un, yeah. and then he just kind of leans over and he goes, "No, kind of like this." Yeah, you're like. That was unbelievable. Oh, I knew it was going to be great, but I had no idea. No, I mean, Dickie uh, held the uh, held the uh, heavy bag when they were doing the the 50 or 30 second rounds. You know, they go hard as you can for 30. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I'm already blown out. I'm falling to pieces, trying not to throw it up. And I'm going, I can't, I can't stop. I you cannot. Can't. There are not that many people in this world at my age that are going to get me. I'm just going to be like, hey, dude, you know, I'm just going to tap out for a sec. And nope. I mean, I would do it for me. I would keep it going because I, I didn't want to lose, but. Not for that guy. Fuck that. Nothing. Nothing would have stopped. I would have fallen over. I would have gone through the goddamn bag. I couldn't move my hands at all. But <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep going. But I knew that it was going to be okay, but I had no idea you guys would turn this this shit into this. And uh, you guys are doing something for real. Um, we don't talk about the, the stats too often. Um, 
don't know if that's a good thing or not, um, but I just generally don't. Um, I'm blown away with the stats on this podcast. Uh, to be clear to anybody listening, nobody's making any money because there's no sponsors. There's, I mean, obviously we have our... our Tortuga our, Soap don't to, pay nobody. Yeah, exactly. There's no corporate sponsors, put it that way. Um, <laughs> although that we have done well enough to uh, reach more than a couple of thousand people around the world on a regular basis. Um, I'll pimp myself out here. What I'm saying is that hopefully 2017, we will be able to reach out and bring some sponsors in. That'll give us a little bit of, of uh, you know, scratch to do things like some cooler videos to do to, to reach out a little farther. I would love to do something out at Pans um, that was a little bigger than just, you know, maybe just one one traditional podcast, you know. Um so yeah, it's a it's an exciting time. I had no idea you guys were going to make this happen like this, and uh, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. This is a, a legitimate thing, and you know I can't. I'll speak on behalf of Jay and George and saying anybody who writes, anybody who talks about it, people talk about it all the time with me. I know that people have talked about it with you, George. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I it means everything to, it does. to it's guys. Very like awesome, us. man. I do appreciate it. Although you know, I mean. I've had I, I don't I, it's really strange that I've had a lot of people I don't know send me messages and ask me things about stuff I say and I'm like holy shit I really I, you know like these people do listen so if you do listen it's not a couple of hundred people I do it's, appreciate it's it thousands of people um, man. and I hope that I hope you get something out of it I really do and you know I know there's people that own academies out there that are listening and so I'm really going to try to come to your place at some point yeah the basic premise for this podcast remains go to a place take the class do the roles drop the mic on the mat and do the podcast that was the basic premise in the first place if you look through the uh, through the episodes we call those dojo storms and we've done a lot of them I wish we could do more of them. I think it's been a little bit of a, as we got towards the end of the year, it got to be a little bit of a, a logistical issue. But this does not have to be a podcast about celebrity per se. If you have an academy and you want Jay and George yeah. and even me to show up, because I'm the easy one to beat up. Yeah, you don't want him coming. Um, then, yeah, but if you I come, it'll sound good. don't want him tainting your academy. <laughs> yeah, you should watch out, man. I have an almost unpassable half guard now yeah. on one side. I know. Sure. Only. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, you know, we're we're going to bring the recorder out to, to your place. And, yeah, why not? Let's um, just do it. It's in. And I, I think we could all agree that all of these podcasts are, in their own way, they're compelling. Everyone's story is cool. There's nobody who doesn't have a good story. It, there's always something about somebody that you're going to relate to, that you're going to get. And the coolest thing is if you throw jujitsu into it, man, it's hard to lie. It, it's hard to cheat. You know, it's it's this is a, a crazy, weird kind of sport. You know, you can pick out the bullshit really fast, you know. So, so people who, uh, you know, who, who are involved in it are always compelling and everybody's got a story. So. I'm hoping that we can tell that in 2017. Yeah, we're going to do it. And I'm going to try to, you know, like they used to say on Car Talk, I'll do it better next time. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We got some cool people lined up, for real. Um, send us messages. I'm surprised we haven't got any hate mail yet, but maybe we have and the Riddler just doesn't read it to me. Hmm. Uh, but we will come to you. I appreciate everybody out there. Thank you so much. Definitely pass it on. Tell people about Great Northeast BJJ 
com, which is a great place to, to take a listen to the podcast. And uh, thank you, George, for following through and making something that everybody enjoys. Day nada. Peace. Peace.